All right, there will be bourbon. Finally, again this year. What is it? March. It's been it's been a while. This has gone a lot slower than I had anticipated. So, for those who don't know, I have moved across the country. It's why I I don't even know what this is behind me at this point. It's it's a temporary setup. I got a cat on my lap. I got Kay Eastham joining me tonight. How are we doing, madam? I'm always well. He's all. She's always well. That's great. Um, <laughs> so. Wanted to talk to Kay for a while because, you know, obviously for those who do watch this, most of you at least know her from Twitter. And she came into Twitter at a really interesting time, especially into the army at the same time. And, and that's kind of the stuff that I want to kind of take this conversation into because she she's while she's out now, she saw a lot of evolution from the influence of social media on the army, on uh, the military as a whole, but also kind of. Just like the 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 devolution, I would call it, of the the Army Combat Fitness Test, the ACFT. So you could call it that. You yeah, could call it that. It's that's yeah. So a lot of those things we'll get into, and then also obviously, you know, if you're if it's not obvious to you, Kay is a female, so she has a much different take on a lot of things that usually I talk about on this show, especially when it comes to the military and the Army. So it'll be good to get that perspective. And uh, before I do that, though, and bring her in and kind of go through her background a little bit more. I'm going to get into what will be fueling tonight's discussion. Of course, as always, it is America's native spirit, bourbon. All right. And so, th- so I was in Maryland today earlier, and I, I felt like stopping and, and seeing what they have because it, being in Virginia, this is a weird spot. And I've already said this once is because, you know, that it's a state controlled thing when it comes to liquor. So it's got its pluses and minuses. Like they just recently opened the lottery system, which is how they give out the allocation stuff, which if you don't know what the allocated stuff is, it's all of the, the Buffalo Trace antique collection. And it seems to be pretty much anything Buffalo Trace around here. It's not just sitting on the shelf like it is in California where you can go and target and get a bottle for 20 bucks. Um, there's no liquor stores here. It's just this ABC thing. So and but the good thing about it is everything is at retail. Like there's no markup. So, for example, like this lottery I just said. They're going to give you an opportunity to get the, the stuff that everyone goes nuts over. And that's that Pappy Van Winkle stuff. But it's at, more, at retail prices, right? So instead of four and five digits that you would pay price-wise, you get it for, you know, the, between the 150 to 320 bucks that it actually is. So there's that going on. Anyway, so this I picked up. Um, <laughs> I'm going full. We're going full military here tonight, okay? All right. So this is from Hotel Tango Distillery. They are in Indiana. Although, like, like on, yeah, they're in Indiana, okay? Um, what it is, now this guy, Travis Barnes, started this. So he joined right around the time I did. He joined in April 14th of 2002, obviously impacted by the 9-11 terrorist attacks, went on to join the Marines, served there for a long time, did a couple of deployments. I think he was, I think he says he was in the recon battalion there. So he did a lot of crazy shit. His story's up on the website. It's hoteltangodistillery.com. Uh, the bottle is kind of like in a flask shape, you know, pretty standard military style looking bottle uh the hotel and the tango come from the h's for hotel obviously that's his wife hillary and then tango for travis and and here you go it's actually a pretty cool story i'm glad i stumbled onto it i'm still you know getting into what the bourbon actually is i'm on my second pour of it it's it's not bad this one here is six years old um 90 proof so good proof point to get started at it's six years old, but it, it tastes a little young. Kind of reminds me of Oregon Spirit, if anyone's ever been to that one or gotten into that. I haven't had that in years, but it, it, it's around here somewhere. All right. So that's that. Okay, are you imbibing? Are you 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 doing the dryness tonight? What, what's going down? I have a dirty Dr. Pepper. A, what the <laughs> fuck is a dirty Dr. Pepper? 
it's like a Utah thing. It's like, because obviously they don't drink um, coffee there. So I have a friend that I made here. She's from Utah. So it's Dr. Pepper, like a shot of vanilla and then creamer in it. And it's called Dirty Dr. Pepper. It's actually pretty good. If you're a soda drinker, I will say it's pretty good. That sounds pretty good. But let me back this up. So you said they don't drink coffee in Utah? Uh, yeah, like the, um, the Mormons. They don't drink coffee? coffee? No. What? No. Is you didn't know that? Are you fucking with me right now? No, I'm so serious. No, like I'm, two I'm, Mormons I can text I right I now. Promise. I want to find it's, this it's out. Yeah, I Google it. I promise. It's like a thing. You have so many Mormon friends. I know. That's what I'm saying. I want to I should, I'm going to text them after this and be like, look, is this legit? Because that's... Why don't they drink coffee? What's... Uh, I, I don't know. I'm not a Mormon expert. I think it's something to do with like that. putting bad stuff in your body, et cetera, et cetera. Things, are, things along that line. Okay. You can well, drink soda, just no coffee. I would argue that soda is probably significantly worse for you than coffee. Fair enough. I, th- I yeah, think I'm going to make it. Yeah. Well, you do that. I'm going to th- organize a field trip to Utah and, and, and see if we can have a conversation about this. Cause I would say we should probably have sugar and soda on the do not drink list of, you know, above coffee, but whatever. Hey, if that's, if that's what your religion goes for, then Hey, I'm all for it. Um, also joining us tonight. He's not going to enjoy this real quick, but we got Frank this is my bro. Look at this dude. All right, this <laughs> we're devolving quickly. All right, so Kay's here. Let let's actually get into what she's you know here for. All right, so like I said, you so you joined in 2017, right? You're from mm-hmm. Kansas, small town of Kansas. What made you join the army, dude? That's a question that everybody wants to know, isn't it? I don't know. I just I just always wanted to do it, and nobody ever took me seriously until a recruiter reached out when I was 17. And uh, he was like, hey, like, you want to join the Army? So I went to the ASVAB, did everything I was supposed to do. But I was still 17. So my parents, their parents have to sign at 17, right? Um, my mom refused to sign, like, straight up was like, absolutely Classic not. Mom. Yeah, like, was crying. Whole theatrics, like, in the recruiting center. I'm sure those poor recruiters were just like, Jesus. Um, but she wouldn't sign, so... Two days after my 18th birthday, I, I enlisted my junior year, I think. Oh, shit. Okay. So now, you, you small town of Kansas, did you have any like Fort Riley influence? Were you close to that or, or this was just- I closer to Fort Leavenworth where my parents live. My mom okay. actually, uh, she's a pediatrics contractor out there. Oh, okay. So she's contracted out at the hospital out at Fort Leavenworth and she works in the ped section. So a little bit, but not really. Um, cause I had never been on base or anything. It was yeah. just, so was it more of a mom thing or was it just, she didn't want you joining the army? Uh, a little bit of both. I think like, yeah. obviously when you think soldiers, you think big, scary men and in, in yeah. uniforms. So, um, I grew up doing ballet my entire life and being very a princess. Yeah. Um, so it was definitely out of the blue for my family to hear that from me. Did any, so, but it was just army. You never considered any other branch or anything, or is that the only ones that were messing around in terms of, uh, yeah, I don't know. The yeah, only know other recruiters we had like in the little pod were Navy people and they were fat and I was like, ah, I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> Not much has changed Navy nerds. <laughs> 
That's good. Okay. So then, all right. So you joined, you went right out of high school, which is again, I give, you know, the ones who, who do that, I give a lot of credit to because I mean, I've told my own personal story a million times and I wanted nothing to do with the army, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I was hell bent on being a baseball player and that clearly didn't work out. Um, but go giants. It is baseball season. What a, um, so straight out of high school. So that's, I remember I joined and when I shipped, I was like 20, I think I just turned 21 when I joined. So Mm -hmm. very different from being 21 and being what, 18 as you were. So, and then you went to Jackson in South Carolina, Mm -hmm. obviously a big difference to Columbia, South Carolina, than Kansas, but you said small town. So what was, what was that first, what were those first few hours like for you when you realized you can't leave, you're, (laughs) you're stuck? I don't think it hit. I don't think the first time that I had ever been on an airplane was on the ride to basic training, the flight to basic training. So I think I was a little shell shocked by that, which is just so funny. Um, Like now it's so funny. But I was sitting next to a guy who was also going to basic training because, like, duh, you know? Yeah. Um, And so we were talking the entire ride, and he was actually in my platoon all through basic training and everything. But I remember when we got there, they like, of course, like get you in process and you fill out paperwork, you do shots, you do, you know, everything for what the first week, first two weeks, maybe. Yeah. Um, and so I remember just like trying to find him every day and being like, yo, what the fuck did we get into? <laughs> Why are we here? That's cool. So uh, what time of year did you go? Summer, dead of summer, okay. I went in June. Started in June, ended in August. Okay, so you, yeah, I was the same time when I was at Jackson, the exact same time, graduated in August. So, so you got to experience the miserable heat and just. And I promised myself, I remember thinking in basic training, I wrote my mom a letter, I will never come back to this shitty ass state of South Carolina ever again. And then, literally, right after basic and AIT, I got orders 45 minutes away at another base in South Carolina. So, I went on to spend. Three more years and two more summers, and and then moved to North Carolina afterwards. So no escape for me. Yeah, that's weird how that worked. Because um, so you did forty two alpha, right? Mm-hmm. Did you get assignment options, or was it just you're staying in this this area? Did you ever get? So when we were in AIT, we had to do some sort of extra testing, right? And yeah. they were like. This is just a, a placement test is what they called it. And our instructor gave it to us. And it turns out they wanted to see who were essentially in the top portion of the class to go to a certain assignment. And me and another guy, um, we we're in the same class. We actually got selected to go to this unit. So it's U.S. Army Central. It is a three-star command in yeah. South Carolina. Um, so it, it goes by U.S. Army And a lot of people don't know about it, but... If you research Patton's zone, it's that was his unit. Yeah, and then you got to go to Kuwait and you got to see the 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 one patch of grass with the big ass Arsent logo in it, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. How how so so you got into Kuwait shortly thereafter, right? What February it says? Yeah. So November I got I think late October, early November, I got to my unit, Christmas block wave head, February. Like the beginning of February, my ass was on a plane to Kuwait already, which is every mother's worst nightmare. <laughs> that your kid is just got out, just be able to come back home, and is are you leaving and go overseas? So yeah, but did she, did she understand it was Kuwait? It was you were gonna have a blast for the next year? 
I don't think Koi was like that in 2017. It was still weird. Koi's always had a weird vibe. Yeah, it does. It depends where you're at. So you were mostly what? Zone zone one is where Arson is up there? Uh, So during that time, I was in zone six. I was in the slums. (laughs) Yeah, that's where I stayed in 2015. I was in my little slum area. Mm -hmm. But I... Yeah, well, see, I was a platoon sergeant, so they they didn't put it. We didn't get we came as a platoon, so we didn't fit the criteria to get into the actual barracks. Mm-hmm. So they're like, oh, you don't have enough people. And like our senior ranking person was my lieutenant. So it's like, OK, she's not getting us in. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we were in the zone six in the tenth, But I had my own little like it was like a four man area with nobody mm-hmm. So I had all of that to myself. So that was pretty cool. Oh, dude, no. There was only, like, two female tents. And, like, yeah. Oh, yeah, everybody's no. females had to fit in a tent. It didn't matter what unit you were. Like, the guys were with their own prospective units. But the women, like, because there's so little of us, they was like, here's your tent way far in the back. Go fuck yourselves. Type yeah. They never, they never understand, I've noticed, with that. Like, they don't understand how that creates more problems than not. Like you, it's one thing to mix people, right? You mix people in basic training or any sort of like leadership school you go to or any sort of training environment. It's a lot different when you're at least deployed with your own people, right? Because you have familiarity, you you know, you have some unit cohesion already and some camaraderie. But then you throw people who are already coming from all different types, different timelines in that deployment, different stressors. No one knows each other really. Mm -hmm. I always thought that was kind of, you know, because I had a lot of females that were in my platoon at the time and I always, Felt a little and then bad. you got the rank thing too of like this hunter's class and now hunter's class are like they're both in yeah. different units and they're yeah, it's, it's clashing. Cool. It was a whole both times it was a whole ordeal. Living with large groups of women is absolute hell, <laughs> no matter how you put it. Yeah, it might be another shot at Utah. I don't know. Um anyway. Um so all right, so we're in Kuwait. Um did you get to did you get to do any like hop over the border for some TDY in, in Iraq at all, or did you just we're not on that one? I think so. My first one, no, um, no. didn't get to do anything. I worked. I was a I was a little private. I had nothing yeah. on my fucking chest. Was just good old days. I think I just was on talk duty the entire time because <laughs> my NCO, who was supposed to be my NCO, uh, went to ALC, so like she was gone. And they didn't know what to do with me. So they're like, hey, man, you're just going to be on talk duty. So I was like, doing talk duty every night is like a private. I didn't even know what a talk was at the time. You know what I mean? And they're you know like, what it is now? Know, because like, I used to actually say what acronyms were for people listening that didn't. But so I haven't, I don't think I've ever brought up talk on the show. Do you want to just no? go ahead and tell everyone what a talk is? Um, it's basically like a command control building. Essentially, if anything happens, like the talk is alerted, like if guys get hurt, or you have a mission going out, or really anything. That's just like the main source of like, hey, this is happening. We're tightening it down. Go wake up so-and-so. We're going to do X, Y, Z. No, you're supposed to say what talk means. What's the uh, what, what is it? I don't understand what the... I have no idea. <laughs> tactical operations. I don't operations think anybody's cell. explained it to me. <laughs> it's a tactical operations, so, right. Okay. Well, anyway, like, at least you know what the talk is now. That's good. At least I know what the talk does. <laughs> in there for months yeah well i didn't know what a bdoc was until i got to afghanistan so apparently i, I had a, someone look at me like i had a dick on my head when i asked what the bdoc is and like it's the base defense operations cell i'm like okay i feel like wherever you go they just throw out random acronyms but, but i'm like what the oh, fuck is that it's, even mean? it's so trust me it's so much worse now the, the the stuff that i'm doing now oh it's it's ridiculous like they just <laughs> 
So I, I have a coworker who just decided what did what did she make up this acronym for? What was it? She made something up for oh, it was like setting up a a, a voicemail account. Mm-hmm. No, 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 that's not. I'm sorry, conference line. So she started talking about CL over and over, CL, 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 just going through. I'm like, fuck is a CL? She's like, oh, conference line. I'm like, that's not an acronym. Like you just made that. Like just say conference line. Like we don't yeah. we don't have to invent stuff that isn't really necessary to have a conference or a, an acronym for. Whatever. All right, Frank. What do you think, Bo? I'm surprised he's so chill tonight. Usually, like he's made some appearances, but he's been pretty annoying. Like he'll do the whole biscuit making thing. So maybe just... he just missed you. He just wants. wants I know. Time. I mean, I don't blame him. I miss. I miss. I miss him too. He's. I. He was a good travel companion when I drove out here. The dude just slept every day on really? the Yeah. So he didn't like at night when we would get into the hotel. Like he hated seeing a new place every day or every mm-hmm. night. So I'd have to like before I'd let him out. I'd have to hat proof everything because he would try and hide obviously which i don't mm-hmm. blame him. but yeah when we'd leave every morning dude would just get on the front seat and just rack out the entire time oh that's good yeah he was easy good... motion sickness we can't even take her to the vet without oh, her yeah. just oh wow yeah it's not good no i think that's well she's just older she's just probably she's got a lot of trauma and shit she's, she's on she's she's about to be six dude she's getting up there this is frank's birthday today actually he's two is it yeah he's two years old today frank have you sung him happy birthday yet no no i'm gonna do it after this once i'm nice and hammered frank you want a shot bro no all right you're too young to drink still he's only two so um do cats have cat are there cat years like dog years no i don't think so no no they just get the nine lives that's true that's a good trade-off instead of rapidly you just get to die a lot that's cool you pretty much just have eternal life at that point. <laughs> all right. So you, you rolled through Kuwait. You did all that cool stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Right around. But this is what I wanted to touch on, because this is around like the time I was saying during when I started talking in the intro is that uh, I think you came in at a very weird time, not only just I'm like the way you described Kuwait when you got there, but just the influence that social media was starting to have on the army and the military as a whole. Right. And I've mentioned this before. It's like it was around 2010 ish. Uh, I think the decision was probably in 11. But, you know, the military, especially the army, struggled with this because so many people like yourself were coming into the military or the army and they already had social media accounts, you know, whether it was at the time MySpace or, you know, Instagram was coming in or people had done, you know, modeling or whatever. And so there's stuff on the internet of these people. and so the army was just like, well, we didn't want people having accounts, period. And so they got to this point where it's like either everyone's getting them or nobody's getting them. And so probably from an enforcement mechanism, you probably can't really say no one's allowed to have one. Now, I get it when you get into certain units, you know, you got to sanitize everything and all right. But probably, you know, 17 year old K from Kansas being told, well, if you want to join the army, you can't have social media. You'd probably be like, oh, fuck it. I'll just go do something else, right? So, Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of factors that probably went into that decision. So ultimately, well, like I said, they, they said, fine, everyone gets to have social media. And now you've seen what it, it kind of turned into by the time you came in to where, for those who don't know what it is, you know, there's a very real segment on the internet 
called Mill Twitter, right? Military Twitter, which I would describe as probably one of the most toxic places on the internet. And that grew and splintered and kind of turned into where we all kind of came more familiar with each other when we had our own version of, you know, the goons and all that stuff that turned into the goon zooms during the shutdown and which was a really cool time. Uh, and it, it served its purpose. And I, I think they still do some of that stuff. But for me, it's kind of, you know, it moved on. Um, so when you came in, did you already, cause I feel like, were you already on Twitter or on social media from the military or did, is that something that you got into because of the army? Yeah, pretty much. It was just, just tweeting. I think, uh, so like back in 2017, Twitter, I, hang on. Instagram was just like Instagram. Like it was yeah. still hot and popping. You know what I mean? And uh, like meme pages were just becoming popular, but I say they took off really hard in 2020. But my first, after my first deployment, I was just still normal. I had like 30 followers on Twitter. Like I wasn't funny. I wasn't doing anything, you know. I was just people I had new in like real life. I was just following. But I made a tweet, um, and it somehow went viral. Um, like and Instagram pages were putting it up and other Twitter famous pages were putting it up and people who had way more followers than I did. I was not affiliated with the military or yeah. didn't know who knows what it was, like had no idea. Like the, the process of following an officer on social media wasn't even <laughs> directly like no. correlated with anything I was even thinking about at that time. So it was super crazy and it popped off a lot. Um, I would say end of 2019, um, like early 2020 is when I got like 500 followers and I thought I was hot shit. Then I was like, oh, I have 500 <laughs> followers. Like, this is so much. And then going into 2020, I deployed June of 2020. Um, no, June of 2019 into 2020. Um, I deployed. So June 2019, I deployed to Kuwait my second time. And then that's when it really started to pop off for me. What'd you do? Just tweet. I guess just tweet funny things. People <laughs> just thought I was funny. I was just tweeting about the, like leadership things that I was, yeah. you know, I was just a young, I was a corporal at that time. I had, I made a corporal in two years. I was promotable, BLC complete, just waiting on points. So I thought I knew everything about leadership that you could possibly know. And I was just, tweeting out thoughts man yeah people just liked it i guess what was that noise in the back it's a dog oh what's your dog running inside oh he wants to get inside oh well you can go let him inside yeah because i can start working on my next beverage here that's what i can do uh let's see so this was also all right she's back okay so yeah right around that time I would say this is when, so for, for those who don't know, the, the, the Army Combat Fitness Test, right, the ACFT, this is something that I, I've said before, like the, the concept behind it started back when I remember when I was in drill sergeant school, that was 2008. And then mm -hmm. I remember being at Fort Benning in 2009, 2010, General Hurtling, who's become kind of a, a left-wing, I guess, darling on social media but he was a one star at the time when i was deployed to iraq in 2003 and i had really fond memories of him i thought he was a really good dude um but he was the trade 
commander at that time, which was three star. So he was the one behind the original. It was supposed to be two tests. There's supposed to be a, an army PT test. They were going to change up those events. I think the run was supposed to be shortened to like a mile or a mile and a half. And then there's supposed to be a combat fitness test. And you're supposed to alternate like every six months you would do one. Right. And they were always supposed to be for record, essentially. I don't know. Um, anyway, so that got shelved. I remember probably 2010. I think I was, it was probably 11 because I was at Knox finishing up the last drill sergeant shit that I did. Um, and they, they did it away with it because they were just like, oh, this is just too much. And so then, you know, the ACFT got resurrected and then that kind of has gone through many iterations. Um, but I bring it up because the event that really just wrecked the mill Twitter world to the point where I would say this kind of ties into what I was saying, the influence of social media, I would say is probably directly responsible for it no longer being a part of it. And that was the leg tuck. It is. The leg tuck, for those who don't know, gone, ha had gone through many, many iterations, I would say, to where it started where it went and to where it end ultimately ended up. And what the leg tuck is, is essentially you hang from a bar, you pull yourself up to a 90 degree angle with your elbows, and then you lift your knees and touch them. All right. And this started at three tiers based off of MOS, right? Mm -hmm. Here's, you know, gold, black, and whatever the fucking other one was. Essentially, if you were a combat MOS, you had to be able to do five of those. If you were a combat support MOS, you had to do three. Mm -hmm. If you were a combat service support or anything else, you know, it was one. Now, these were the minimums. Mm -hmm. And that scale went all the way up to 20, right? Mm -hmm. That was the max. Again, keep in mind, we're talking about the minimum. No one's asking anyone to do 20. It's mm -hmm. great if you can. Most people can't. I can't do 20, right? Um but anyway, I remember you being in Kuwait and we're like, leg tucks. Okay, watch this. And you proceeded to do a lot of them. Yeah. Right. Um, but I think the biggest argument that was being made was there was this weird assumption that for whatever reason, females can't do a leg tuck. Mm-hmm. So what was your take on, on, on that at the time and to kind of to where does that now? Because like I said, leg tuck no longer exists. It went from that scale to when just everybody had to only be able to do one to pass. Mm -hmm. Max, you still had to do 20, which is a lot, but one. And then that went away. And now we have one of the most useful combat oriented tasks, I would say. And that's the plank. I'm joking. Mm -hmm. I'm not joking about the plank. I'm joking about the other stuff before that. Yes, there's a plank now instead of the leg tuck. So anyway, back to you. Please share. Uh, so I would say when it first rolled out, like it, like I said, I was a young hot shit corporal. Like I had just penned at my two year mark, which is the fastest my, our unit would suggest to BLC, and I was promotable. Like I wanted to be a hot shit sergeant. I just no. that's who I wanted to be. So. I, I was single. I did have, you know, I didn't have any kids. I didn't have a boyfriend at home, like nothing. Um, so I was in the gym every day and it came out and they were like, Hey, this is this. Um, at that point in time, my first sergeant, um, first female Rangers who were going through Ranger school at that point in time. And my first sergeant was like, Hey, like 
you can do this. Um, keep in mind, I'm just um, I'm just his corporal Nelson, and he's like, hey, you can do this. Like, I want you to start training up to go to ranger school. And he was ranger tabbed and he was in ranger bat. He was like, hey, like, I want you to go. I, I think you could really do it. So I was actually training up. So I was in pre-ranger. I like my unit's version of pre-ranger at that time. And they were making us do leg tucks. Why? I didn't even know what a leg tuck was. Or yeah. that was an issue until the instructor was like, oh, yeah, like, this is going to be new, the, the new fitness test. Like, of course, I'm the only female in pre-ranger. Um, so, like, I'm, I didn't even, wasn't even a thought in my mind. Um, and Twitter was blowing up around that time of people talking. And keep in mind, like I said, I was a young hotshot corporal. So I posted that video. I think I did like 18 leg tucks and just called people pussies. I was like, if you want it, like you need to go out there and get it. Like it's not going to be given to you. Like it, just like with anything in the army, you don't succeed just because you go out there and do it. Like chances are you're probably going to study for it um, with, with anything, any type of school, no matter what you want to do. So to me, it wasn't anything weird. I was so hooped up on that, that horror juice. And I was like, hey, man, like, if you Last can do it, like, day. you can do it. Um, and I, I still hold that big to this day. If you truly want to do something, do I think that physical fitness in the Army is broken? Absolutely, I do. But do I – I wasn't doing any type of group PT or unit PT outside of pre-ranger, which was twice a week. I was in the gym in my off time doing it myself, like looking up workouts on bodybuilder.com, like silly things like that. It's just time and consistency. And most people don't want to put in the effort to do stuff like that. And I feel like that's the difference between a good soldier and a great soldier is, hey, where's that effort at? Where's that consistency at? No, it's a, it's a, it's an excellent point. And I used to see like some of the the counterpoints that I was like, oh, just because you're good at physical fitness doesn't mean you're a good soldier yeah maybe however there are some demonstrated habits that you're in tendencies that can carry over into the other things that can make you a good soldier and a good leader sure. right um yeah. and i would say like at the end of the day it's still a the, the occupation of being a soldier is one that is rooted and based on your physical fitness ability because and it's it ultimately because we were 2019 was what a we had lost what a couple soldiers that year so it wasn't far i was deployed so it wasn't far from my mind of like oh shit i could be you know in syria next i could be in iran next like there's i was you know i went to jordan i went to iraq so it wasn't i was there in it and i was like i need to be strong for this it wasn't even a late type thing it was just i want to be strong just in case like I'm thrown in a position where I don't feel comfortable doing something. At least they can look at me and go like, oh, she's physically fit. Okay. Like they just comes one more asset to the thing. Stop, please. (laughs) Well, I mean, it's this thing. It it always goes, you don't want to make yourself a target, right? In anything, whether Uh, it's military environment. Soldiers are targets, whether people want to admit it or not. People are down on you immediately just because you're a woman. And, And people are like, oh, you know. You can't change people's minds, but you can go out there and try your damn fucking hardest every day. You know, the military is not going to change and people's mindsets aren't going to change on things unless you go out there, you show them you're a hard worker, you show them that you're physically fit, and you show them that you're a professional. It's just with any job, regardless outside of the army, and the army doesn't matter. Right. Um, and, and I was I, I would agree. I would say that like the things that you're describing in terms of qualities and, and characteristics that make up 
whether it's a good employee or a good soldier, I mean, it, it does come back to the, the willingness to make yourself the best possible version of yourself. Right. And that's from a physical fitness standpoint. That's from, I was thinking about this earlier when I was like, okay, when I, when I talked to her about this, how am I going to correlate this into something that people can understand? Right. Because I go back to, we're, we're talking about the minimum and this, like I said, was ultimately removed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't want anyone to think like maxing the ACFT is not possible. I've seen it done. You know, mm-hmm. I, I went to the, the NCOIC course for it and the OIC course, joint course uh, a year and a half, almost two years ago now. Um, and we had a female instructor, E6, and she jumped on and demonstrated the leg tuck, did 20 like it was nothing. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a 24-year-old, I think, first lieutenant, no, second lieutenant who maxed it easily. He's he's 24 years old, like he's in, and he's obviously an athlete, right? So again, this is the, this stuff counts, right? No one's asking or assuming that everyone in the military can be that, mm-hmm. right? Not everyone can be special forces. Not everybody can be airborne. Not everybody can do the stuff that you did in terms of placing yourself in a position to go to a three star command, fresh out. Like some people don't have that maturity, and some people never develop it. But I, the, the, the thing that I came up with as a correlation is because like, look, I can't do 20 leg tucks. The most I ever did was 16. Mm-hmm. Um, I also can't qualify 40 out of 40 on a rifle. Right. So that's the mat. Well, well, I don't think it's some new fucking test now. But anyway, like it was always 40 out of 40. Right. The best I ever did was 35. And I got lucky. I was always mm-hmm. between my entire career between 27 and 32. That was a, I didn't shoot enough. I wasn't in a position to go to the range every week or, or shoot all the time. Or, you know, I knew my limitations. A lot of it was I wore contacts forever, right? So sure. I knew, like, why would I shoot at a 300-meter target, which is the furthest away? Like, I know if I hit it, it's pure luck. Like, there's no <laughs> way, right? So the starting with the, the goal of, like, yeah, I'm going to go out and get 40 out of 40, that's not going to happen. Just like saying, hey, yeah, you're going to go get 20 leg tucks if you're just – you know, a, not a very fit or athletic person or willing to put in that work. No, you're not going to get 20 leg tucks. You're probably not going to deadlift 340 pounds either. Right. Yeah. And you're probably definitely not going to run less than 13 minutes on a two mile run. Another <laughs> thing I was never able to do. I never once on the original APFT, the fitness test maxed it. I got 299 twice mm-hmm. back to back. Cause I could <laughs> never max the fucking run. Fastest yeah. I ever did was 1318 and 1320. Right. Okay. I am just not built to run 13 minutes or less. That's not me, but I can deadlift, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to, uh, this is what I always never could understand why people were so fixated and focused on the fucking leg tuck. It's what yeah, okay. sense. I think the problem was, is because you have to think early 2020, that's when it, the ACFT really kicked off, right? Yep. And then we have COVID kicking off the same time as the ACFT. People were trapped at home. They weren't really doing anything. Nothing was really going on. And I think that no Twitter made the ACFT a hot topic because literally just because COVID, nothing else was really going on at that time. And along with the ACFT, there were leadership um, basically getting exposed for doing certain things or just being shitty leaders on social media. I feel like COVID was really the rise of, of no Twitter, if I'm being completely honest. Yeah, but I, I go back to this event, right? As I, you know, I'm going to try something new here real quick. Um, I've been doing this cocktail thing for a while now, but I picked up these cherry bitters as well. I don't know if anyone's ever had cherry bitters. Usually I'm doing the black walnut at the time. I'm going to try these cherry bitters with oh, my, 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 my standard mix here. Um, but yeah, I go back to it. It's one event of six, right? It was designed to be a, 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 a total 
attempt at a well-rounded fitness test, right? Because the APFT that it was replacing, push-ups, sit-ups, and run two miles, you don't really have to be in good shape, ultimately, yeah. from a fitness standpoint, to do really well on that test, right? And if anyone was remembering, what event was the same for male and females on the old PT test? Sit-ups. So it's weird how, like, the, the argument was always, oh, women aren't strong enough to do a leg tuck from a core perspective. It's like, oh, really? But you can smoke us on fucking sit-ups. So wait, is it oh, yeah. so you have a core yeah. or you don't have a core? Which is it, right? So that's one thing I did see that was very hypocritical. Like, like me and Kyle, I can blow him out of the water with sit-ups all day long. Like, that part, he's just like, I don't have, like, the my hips. Like, I just don't have the hip strength, whereas, like, you do. So I can just, as long as you're throwing yourself back and forth, you can knock out a couple more sit-ups. And, like, he can't do it. So uh, this is goes to show this one of the ways that we're just so different of, like, I know that I have crazy core strength, but whereas he doesn't, um, and I can, I can do more, I can do more leg tucks than he can too. And I, and I don't, I don't discount what you're saying. I, I agree. And I, I come back to my point was like, we're so, they were so focused on eliminating this event that they never even took into consideration the rest of the test that it was meant mm -hmm. to be. In my opinion, I don't think it was hard to pass. It's mm -hmm. very difficult to max, right? Like I said, yeah. okay, most people aren't going to be able to max that test. Yeah. Or I would say more people from a percentage-wise could probably max the old one, even mm -hmm. though I couldn't. And mm -hmm. I would say overall, I think my best is a five. I think I did 557 out of 600 on this one, right? Because mm -hmm. I know what I can do good at. I'll do great on the leg or, well, it's not there anymore. I'll do great on the plank. I'll do great on the deadlift. I'll do mm -hmm. okay on the fucking the the standing yeet toss, right? I'm okay mm -hmm. at that. The I'm ball super, toss? Yeah, I'm not a super explosive because you gotta be pretty explosive from the hip. Uh, there's not, a technique to that one for sure. Yeah, I I so I'll be all right on that. The shuttle or no, what's that sprint drag carry? I do pretty good on, right? Because it's a, a burst. And then I'll just hold on for the run. But I'm not going to max it. And that's fine. But I'm gonna go good, I'm gonna go do great at what I know I can do great at, and I'm gonna work mm -hmm. on what I'm weak at. And I think that concept, which goes back to what you were saying earlier about, hey, no one's going to give you anything. You need to work on it. You need to work at anything. You need to study. Any of those things feed into you being able to do what you probably can't do at first. And I think that's what people missed. Mm -hmm. It's like they, they instantly went into it with this idea of like, oh, I can't do that. Rather than work towards it, mm -hmm. it was just the blanket assumption like, oh, we can't do that. And the pressure was so great. And like you said, probably because of what was going on in the world at the time that social media really kind of influenced the, the military more than it, it probably should. I ultimately think that that's what led to the cancellation of it and the, the removal of that from the event. You haven't heard anything since, right? No one's argued it. Like, and then actually, yeah. let me back up one more. Remember, it was it was an option. You could plank or do a leg tuck. And then they yeah. still removed it and made it only plank. Like, yeah, I don't, it's changed so many times. At one point, I just didn't even know what we were doing. I was just showing up for ACFT like, okay, what are the events? Like, I, I don't think, I don't even know anymore. I don't think most people do. Like, I, I, I just recently learned that there's apparently a new fucking range qualification thing. Oh, that's been for a couple of years though, but. And most, at least, I was in recruiting. I haven't, I haven't shot a fucking, I haven't qualified since 2016. Yeah, I think it was 2019. <laughs> they were coming out with that change of the new rifle stuff, but then COVID hit and it got like pushed back. And again, 
I should, I left in, I got out in November and I still yeah. didn't do the new rifle balls. No, I don't do know it. if it's like for a record or, or what. But your husband's done it, I assume, right? Well, he does, he fucking shoots normally, I guess. But I don't think they do actual like weapons. Yeah. I don't think they do actual weapons for I think it's expected that like you're a shooting expert, um, yeah. but they do like other ranges and stuff. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like that, and that kind of, it's like, an, it's almost, I know it's not quite the ACFT, but it's almost the ACFT. It's like, why would I expect myself or yourself or anybody who doesn't do what your husband does to go out and be even remotely either on that same level or close to it? Oh, yeah. Conversely, sure. I wouldn't expect him to come do your job as well as that you did it, right? I mean, that's what people don't <laughs> understand. It's like, you know, you don't have to just assume that you're going to be the greatest at everything. You need to understand yeah. failure. You need to understand the concept of working to improve where you're lacking at. And people don't do that, like you said. I feel like part of the problem as well is the army was just like, here, here you go. If they would have came out with a plan of like, hey, this is for leaders at the blah, blah, blah level. Like, this is how you implement it in your battalion, in your company, in your fucking squad. Like, this is how you start prepping for this. This is your timeline, like go. Yeah. And I feel the I feel like the reason the army didn't do that is because COVID hit and we couldn't afford to lose any fat at that point in time. Like everyone was trying to hang on for their lives. Um, because you know, COVID was crazy for those first couple of months. People had no idea what was to come. Um, so it was just kind of like ooh, Thanks a lot, like, China. Anyway. Yeah. Do we do this now or do we wait till later? And I think that's why it's ultimately took the course that it has is because COVID impacted so much and so did social media. Yeah. And that's what I don't like. I don't like social media dictating policy. I think I wrote, this is something I wrote down. Social media pressure versus just doing the right thing for everyone, right? Because it's weird, like, and, and I can offline tell you more of what I do now, but um, you see where things kind of originate and develop and, and materialize. And I think like the way that has always kind of been done is, is the right way of doing it where you take, you know, it, it's good to solicit feedback from the field. I got that. However, if, if the, if the goal was to do what's best for the total force, then that's what you do. You don't, you know, it's one of these terms from political science. I remember years ago in college it was called tyranny of the minority, right? It's where you have a huge, loud, vocal, very small portion of any population, whatever it is. And instead of doing what's best for everyone, you cater to this small, very loud group. And the problem is when you do that, now you give that credibility and you can never take it back. You can't mm -hmm. say, oh, well, now we're not going to pay attention to you anymore. Like, no, now you've given them credibility and then you're always going to have to. And then what ultimately takes place next? The next group pops up and then you give them credibility and it just keeps going and going and going. And you never actually do what's best for all. You keep catering to small vocal minorities. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's totally what was done during this leg tuck because I, as just, and you probably, I would assume you probably are. Are, would, are you a competitive person? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I, I, I would say I'm, entirely too competitive. And I would say most people who join the military for the reasons that probably you did, or I did, or some of the other main reasons that people join rather, they're probably very competitive people internally, right? Now, granted, just like anything that not everybody is. And I understand that. However, 
people who do well in the military are very competitive by right. nature. Yes. Okay. Because you want to be the best at something. And ultimately, when you break down the profession of a soldier, at its core, you need to be better than your enemy. That's it. Right. Whatever your job is, you have to be better than the, 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 the opposition. Right. So that's the goal. And that should be what your goal is for this stuff, especially when it comes to a physical fitness thing. You should ex- you should be willing to take on that challenge. You shouldn't be just so comfortable in the fact that you, you get by by doing the bare minimum. Like one of the biggest things I always fucking hated. And I don't know if you ever saw someone in your unit do this was like in the old PT test when you had two minutes to do push ups and sit ups and someone would just get down and do the bare minimum in like 35 seconds and get up and walk away. Mm-hmm. like that irked me like you were really? not allowed to do that in my fucking no fuck no you have two minutes fucking do something for two fucking minutes and okay. I, that was a I, I remember getting you know my hand slapped because i refused to allow people in my platoon as platoon sergeant you are not going to do that and if you want to mm-hmm. fuck around and find out and so no like make the maximum effort in the time that you have to do anything don't just do the bare minimum and be comfortable with that and go fucking home. Cause what does that do for anybody? Okay. Especially yourself. Like ultimately you have to ultimately be comfortable with that yourself, but how does that affect the people around you who are watching? Cause there's always someone watching, you know, this, I guess I, so I, I grew up at Arson, right? So we had less than 60, like enlisted soldiers in our unit at that time. Yeah. And we had nine of us were E5 and below. So like hardly the smallest, that's yeah, very top you possibly think of to like compete against is, is really what it was. Yeah. But we're all very smart. I will, they're all like engineers, like very, very intelligent people. So instead of competing in physical fitness, which was a very small aspect of our job, we were yeah. competing in intelligence more and like, yeah. hey, you know, board stuff, what can we do? But sometimes you had NCOs that were really into physical fitness and really made a priority. And then other times we, Hey, as long as you're doing your job, like, and you're passing PT test, like, cool, good job. So it was 50-50 until I got overseas my second time. And that's when I had, like, my actual peers to compete against for the first time because I was attached to another unit. Um, So it was, like, everybody my age, my rank were competing and were overseas as well. So it just added more and more layers onto that um, competitive nature, honestly. So I want to go back to something because it, it it was something I wrote down, but also you mentioned, um, I assume you never actually tried to go to ranger school despite, okay, mm-hmm. right. Is that something you just never, when you learned about what, or it was just not something that you were drawn to or? Uh, I think COVID hit and then my, I got deployed for even longer and then I came home and then I actually got offered to go to third group. So I, I took yeah, that instead. That's yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So I just what at your core what do you think about the inclusion of women and in, in, in that and what your husband does like do you think that's the right place do you think it, it matters do you think it's a good pers- thing to have because it, it gives an outside perspective on certain things or do you think by doing the inclusion it's actually made it uh do you think there's been a lowering of standard do you think it's 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 easier than it used to be or, or where do you come out overall on it so I will say that standards have been lowered regardless of female soldiers in combat roles or not. It's just the army's just gone down over the years. We're seeing less combat. So of yeah. course standards are going to slip because you're losing more people. It's just the nature of the beast. So people try to blame that on women. I will say I think that's just a part of the ride in general, yeah. um, excluding women out of that topic. But 
I will say, I wanted to be in those roles. I wanted to do those things. But I think women going into those roles, one, they know how they're going to be seen and they know how they're going to be treated. Like I said, I knew how people saw me, of just a big blue-eyed fucking soldier showing up. They're going to be like, oh, she's, she's a good time. Like, that's all she's here for. She's not intelligent. Like, unit morale is what they're thinking. So I think women going into those roles, they know how they're going to be treated. They know they have to perform better um, than the average male to, to even get acknowledged as being a good soldier. Um, so I don't personally think so. Maybe nowadays, but in the very beginning, no, I don't think so. I think up until 2021, no, not a chance. But now, standards have slipped even more because we're losing so many people in general. So I would say now everybody's standards are slipped once the ACFT kind of they kind of opened up that hole and it never just kind of closed. If that makes any sense of like they opened it. So now it's always going to be a scapegoat for certain individuals, no matter what the topic is. So. So you talk about a good point. We're, we're losing people. And, and just so we're clear on that, you're talking about retention and recruiting, yeah. right? Okay. Mm-hmm. And so now you got out for, for different reasons, but why, would someone who came in around the same time as you, what is, what is causing that segment of the the army population to get out? Why do you think? I would say a lot of us and I've heard people on Twitter, like, Hey, why would you join the military during peacetime? But back in 2017, you know, like when I joined, we're, we're still in Afghanistan. We're still in Iraq, you know, we're still, we're still in Syria. So it's like, peacetime like what peacetime was there yeah sure people weren't shooting at us as much but we still had guys dying in 2019 at at pretty heavy numbers honestly if you look at it um so i yeah it wasn't the gwat but it was like a millennial version of the gwat where it was cooled off a little bit but you know we still had guys dying we saw pretty heavy deployments um and i don't think that stopped until covid hit really if i'm being completely honest at least from what I've seen. So one, lack of war, you know, it just is what it is. There's no war people don't want to stay in. Two, I would say because so many good leaders were becoming yes men, it just had a trickle down effect of like, if you can't stand up for your soldiers or yourself, what's the point of staying in? Like, you know, where's the passion at? I think those were the two biggest things. And then three, um, when COVID kicked off, a lot of job opportunities opened up for, for our sector, I would say. Um, and so I think a lot of people were really looked at their priorities and they're like, Hey, is this what I want to do? Nope. And so they, they hit the exit door. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't think, and I've seen a lot of that now. Um, like it's kind of hard to hit the reset button of like, yeah, uh, this remote thing's over. I need you back in the office. Like it's, it's yeah. not hap- like there's going to be some mandating of a few days, but I mean, people have seen the value and companies, but man, that's such a, it's such a weird thing because especially where I was at in the Bay area before I moved out here in, in San Francisco and yeah, I could see it a little bit out in the DC area, but San Francisco, especially like, I mean, that's tech central, right? Mm-hmm. And if you've made an opportunity for people to be able to do their jobs with 100% functionality from away from the office, okay, well, what's the benefit for it? Why would a company pay the rent for the commercial space downtown where you went? But also, what does that do? 
that takes money out of the city that takes those buildings into a property nightmare in terms of the actual owners. Um, I'm actually writing a college paper over this right now. I've, I'm in a persuasive okay. writing class and I'm, I'm taught like my essay. I literally just turned it in like an yeah. hour ago was about like the difference in remote work versus full-time in office, how we've previously done it like prior to COVID. So what was your, what was, what side were you Writing. Uh so for this one we didn't have to have a side. It was just basically informative essay. But basically just speaking of the difference in how the job market and white collar essentially has just yeah. completely shifted. And are we going to shift back? Like Disney, I think recently, just like a couple months ago, mandated that everybody comes back. Um Paramount um had also mandated that a lot of people could no longer like work from home. And they those companies are losing pretty big pretty big numbers right now in their retention rates just because of those mandates that they were forcing people to come back in the office. Yeah. But it, I mean, it is, it is like people like I, I get it quality of life and all that stuff. But what I was, what I was hinting at or getting to was that you're going to take, you're going to have a really large impact on actual cities, mm -hmm. right? Which, you know, depending on what your view is on cities or not, I, I bring up a city like, when you take people out of it because they don't need to physically be there, you take more than just their presence. It's like mm -hmm. I said, you take away the, the the economic impact on hundreds of thousands, sometimes tens of thousands of workers being in an area every day, right? Mm -hmm. Those are restaurants. Those are coffee visits. Those are all those things that take place, going to happy hours or whatever it is after work, networking, all that stuff that takes place because of the proximity mm -hmm. of all those other things that support a local community, from a business standpoint, you're mm -hmm. moving them, right? So you're, 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 there's so many ripple effects that are going on. And I mean, I see this with what we do now, but you can't build a team through a, through a computer screen. I will, I will die on that hill, right? You can do a lot of things through like this, like, look, this broad, mm -hmm. you remember the goon zooms and all that stuff. We I do, I do. And we've had like over 50 people on one at a time, like, and those have created long lasting friendships, but that's having fun. That's not working, right? Mm -hmm. So if your team is 20 deep and you got to work on a project, you can't always just do everything through like what we're doing right now. You have to, you have to consider all the other ways that you build a team. Right? But do you think that's a that do you think that that's an age thing because I would I would argue that people in my age category are would be easier for them to make friends over social media and technology because we kind of grew up in this age where more so you have it yeah. you're more face-to-face -face where i'm more comfortable behind a computer screen than i would be face-to-face -face. i don't i don't discount that i'm just saying ultimately at some point everyone has to get in the same room at some point and so you have to be able to do that you have to be able to do both you can't just mm -hmm. do you can't run the world from a computer screen you just can't do it i i, I will like i said i'll die on that hill and you may have a a, a great point on the fact that this is technology you kind of grew up in with um but i would say like it's also affected a lot of people because there are people i would say probably between our age groups that are definitely impacted by it and oh, yeah. they don't feel comfortable one way or the other and they're they're kind of left in that limbo mode and it's kind of where i'm at where i'm saying we're talking white collar like this is an option not for everybody mm -hmm. right? this is you know, there's still the, those blue collar workers that regardless of whether it was COVID or not, they have to get up and go to work every fucking day. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, again, I just think like we're probably a few years away from seeing the actual impact on these cities. Um, cities have already seen a spike in crime and all kinds of other things. Right. 
creates, you know, that's what well, even creates, just the housing crisis now has contributed yeah. because of people teleworking. Like I, I'm in Colorado, so a lot of people coming from California are moving here, and so they're buying really good investment properties, and they're just the housing market's crazy here. The housing market's crazy everywhere and around cities. I, I hate to say it, I really do. Like, you know where I was at in the Bay area, Napa and California, oh, it's fucking stupid. Um, where I grew up in Florida, it's, it's gotten, it's getting stupid. Um, but I, I mean, like, look, if you would have told me when I was a kid, like half a million dollars for, and probably where you grew up too, like that's a lot of money. That'll get you, that, that gets you the a fucking bathroom in California. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it, it, it's, it's sad to say that half a million dollars really doesn't mean much in 2023. Like it did when I was growing up and even probably where you grew up. Right. I oh, mean, yeah. yeah. So like you have to walk into the door in California with at least twice that, if not more, if you want anything. Like, oh, yeah. And that was a problem when we were buying our home here, we were getting beat out by like, it came out, we were, cash, cash so we were a very safe option, but people yeah. were coming in with 20K over cash offers and we're like, yeah, it's fucking nuts, there's yeah. no way we can compete no, with that. Exactly. You know? And, and then we and got maybe, beat out quite a few times. Yeah. Yeah, it's just weird. Like, cause it, 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 I mean, there, I feel like there's just so much that's still evolving from the shutdown, but at some point you just, you just, I mean, maybe maybe it's because we never really lived through something like this. And considering, I mean, I know we have, we've lived through, you know, pandemics and shit before, but from, they've never been woven into like technology like we have mm -hmm. now, right? So it is different. But I mean, everything always comes back. Like everything always shifts from one way to the other. Maybe not in California, since it's all been so left-wing since the fucking 40 years now. But I don't know. I, I just think that at some point, it's going to come back around. You know, people are going to get back in the office. People are going to do those things. How the market's going to have to correct will, I think there will be a select minority that just stay remote. And you know what? That's fine. If you can do your job fully remote, okay, cool. No. You know what I mean? No. Um, but most people, I don't think, can and can do it well. Yeah. And then also, like, it also comes into... If you are content with just being an 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 on the computer worker and doing your job, yeah, maybe there are plenty of people that are fine with that. But I mean, in in the real world, and I see it, if you want any sort of like leadership opportunity, you you don't you don't get that up. You don't get that. You have to be. Yeah, I think yeah, it takes away networking so much. Yeah. And I, I don't know about you, but that's where I've gotten job opportunities. Like shit, even it, now, it's everything. Sector. It's everything. Yeah. Yeah. You have to, if you can't, which I, I would assume you're probably good at it anyway, just, you know, I know enough about your personality, but just the, 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 the MOS you came from, like that entire MOS is networking. That's all it is. Right. And that's going to serve you very well once you're, you're done with school and all like, you're, you're not going to have any issues with it, but a lot of people don't get that opportunity in the military because they do other things or they do different MOSs or they don't get that. That's not part of their field. Like yeah. they're very like, here's your task, go do it, execute it. And they do that very, very well. They don't get the other stuff that. And I think that was the main difference, me coming in, coming from a three-star command compared to someone else. Yeah. Same you got to work same, around professionals. Same background of, you know, being an entry or line battalion of like, their motto is like, sit there, do your work, yeah. do what they tell you, don't question me and then go home. Whereas like, I was raised around, raised around like, Coming up in Army, I was around more officers and senior NCOs who were staff 
prim yeah. primarily. That's critical and thinking. So yeah. I was raised like a mini staff officer, and so yeah. I can speak more of that lingo than I can being down on the line unit. Yeah. Um, so it's been easier for me to network with higher ups and other yeah, units absolutely. and stuff like that because I had that background. Absolutely, and that's why I said like. I mean, I don't know. Did you just start school or are you almost done or what? Where are you? No, at? I just started. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So by the time, like I was saying, but by the time you get done and you actually walk out, you're, you're, you're going to be so far ahead of your peers because you already probably know this. I mean, I don't know if you're doing online or if you're going in person at all, but most of the, most of your, your, your classmates, they, they don't have an ounce of your fucking experience, but they're expecting oh. to walk into the same you know, position that you are and you're going to be so well, far ahead of Even them. now, I've gotten cold calls of, of people who are like, hey, we know you're out of the military. You have X, Y, Z qualifications. Like, do you want to come work for us? And then I've had people on Twitter like, hey, dude, like, I know who you are. You know, I know your personality. This is my company or this is my business. I'm representing, like, yeah. there's open opportunities. Like, you should apply. And it's yeah. just networking is great and it's gotten me pretty far in the army but like you said walking in with five years of hr experience because my degree is also yeah. in hr management yeah, and then i'm going to walk into i have my degree five years experience i have two certifications under my belt i'm realistically like five to seven years ahead of my peers in the oh, workplace yeah. even though i was in the military yeah no you absolutely are and 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 I've said this to others, but if you ever need help translating that stuff, if you haven't done it already, it's it's I'm happy to help you. But yeah, you you're you're so far ahead of people, you're not going to have any issues. Um, but I would only tell you this: the only thing I will tell you is to just don't stop with your bachelor's; just keep going, especially in your field. You have yeah. to. You got to keep going. Yeah. Keep going. It's not that bad. All right. Um. So the, so let let's pivot here because I, I I hit some of that stuff, but I wanted to kind of get back onto the retention thing and. You know, the recruiting thing, I, I've, I've spoken to it all enough already, but the Army's kind of shifted lately with a brand new, if you want to call it brand new, a brand new old campaign of the, the Be All You Can Be, which is what I grew up with. Mm -hmm. I love those commercials, man. I remember all of them. Be all that you can be. Get an edge on life, Frank, in the Army. Frank's looks like, yeah, whatever. Um, And so I, did you see this new Be All You Can Be commercial yet? No, I don't. I, now that I'm out, I'm like, Great. nope. <laughs> taking because, three steps back. Good, because I want you. I want you to watch this, and so you can so you can comment on it. I'm going to email it to you. Okay. Okay. All right. Let me go find it because it was on. It was it was linked through task and purpose, and we're gonna get Kay's live reaction to the latest "Be All You Can Be" commercial. As I effort this search and fill the dead air. One of my Hang on, I have Peach. I'm yeah, that's cool. Go get grab that girl as we look this up. So, so for those of you at home who haven't seen this or don't know what I'm talking about, probably many of you do. This growing is up. Peach. Oh, there she is. Look at this girl. Is he oh, God, she's so beautiful. <laughs> that just made Frank look up. Like, yo, was that a mated call, Frank? Is that your girl, Frank? You and the older chicks. Don't worry, Frank. She's fixed. Uh, well, that's that's a cool. That's fine. That's that's better. So is he. He has no choice. They were in the clink. They have yeah. to get fixed. Yeah, they have to get fixed when they before they get adopted. All right, remains the best recruiting. Okay, that's not the video though. They did do this one. That was actually pretty cool. Is this like a normal commercial? Yeah, it's an ad. They're they're doing a series of them. They 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 did one. I saw either yesterday. No, I think I saw it on Tuesday. 
where it's got this guy and he's kind of walking through battlefields talking about, you know, from the Revolutionary War all the way up to the Global War on Terror, like walking through, like, ask yourself. It's, it's That one's really good. But the initial one that I'm going to show you, I saw, I think is, well, I don't want to, I'll let you watch it first before. Okay. I... I'm going to let this pop out while you find that video. Yeah, do, you, do, you, do your thing while I continue to effort this search. Is this it? What does it mean when yeah all right here it is okay i'm going to email you this link you're still on you still have twitter uh not on twitter on actual email i deleted the twitter app i'm taking like a hiatus right now but if i sent you a twitter or a twitter link will you be able to open it should be able to okay let's find Can out you send it on email instead no, no i'm going to email you the link but i don't i don't well, I'll, I'll try both I got an idea. All right. I have an idea. Here we go. Commercial. All right. So Twitter link first. And then let me see if I can just grab the video link. I should be. Okay. No. Challenge yourself. Challenge yourself. To realize there's more than you ever knew no. you could do. to be all you could be. All you could be. Stop. All right. <laughs> okay. I think you may be able to click it and just watch it in your email. All right. So I just sent that. Let me know okay. if that works. If it doesn't, I'll find the other one. Um, I think that'll work. Okay. Hang on. It's loading. While it's loading, that means I can put this away and make me another. Put this down here. Hmm. What would Jesus drink? Um, I think he was a wine guy. You know. Yeah, well, that's true. He was. I. I'm not gonna start. Okay, wine. hang on. All right, yeah, I have you it watch. Pulled up. Okay, you watch that. Let me know what you think. Okay. What does it mean when people say America and is a land of opportunity? It means we strive to be a nation of limitless possibilities. Exploring those possibilities isn't just an inclination. It's our greatest strength. The power to discover. To redefine yourself. To improve yourself. To challenge yourself. To challenge yourself. To challenge yourself. To realize there's more in you than you ever knew that you could do. To be all you can be. To be all you can be. It means never assuming something can't be done. And if it's the right thing to do, never stopping until you achieve it. That's how the U.S. Army has succeeded since the founding of this country. Since the founding of this country. Giving people an open field to explore what they do best. With the best tools. The best training. The best technology in the world. The possibilities really are endless. And the world sees that. It's what we fight for every day. Every day. Every day. Seeing those possibilities, that going out and achieving them, that's winning. And we all know that winning matters. Having possibilities matters. It's what makes every soldier swear that I'll support and defend the Constitution of the United States. America was built on embracing possibilities. This is what we do. This is what we do. This is what we do. We bring out the best in the people who serve. Because America calls for nothing less. 
so you can be all you can be. 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 Okay, that's not bad. That's not a bad little commercial. I think it sucked. I will say, General Garrett, who's in there, he was my three star when I worked at Arsenal when oh, I was a young, a young stud. Him and his wife came into the gym one time and they yelled at me because I had a tank top on, and I guess it was against <laughs> the, the gym rules. I think the message when you hear it through audio is great. I think visually, it, it it's. I don't think it's very good. Um, any it's other than what that. they've had in the past. Well, you know, Kay, I can go so many ways with this. All right. You already know, I think I left recruiting last year, but I was, I've been in it since 2016. Like we have said for years, why can't we go back to be all you can be? And they always came back and said, oh, we don't own that copyright. Somebody else owns that. So wait a minute. Year after year. And very recently we were told this, but now all of a sudden Okay, I guess we have it again, right? Because we went it's through. Dude, because they're hurting. They're hurting numbers so bad. Like, I saw it before I left. But so you bad. joined because a recruiter actually reached out to you, right? Yeah. But so my that's not, and that's my point. Prior to this, and there was one really good quote or uh, like G whatever ad. I think um, what's his name? Grandpa just shared it, and I I, re I retweeted it because I loved it. Um, you know, Grandpa, you, you, yeah. yeah. He's a nice guy. He's a good guy in person. Yeah. yeah. Met several times. I know you guys hang out. That's cool. Yeah. Um, he, he speak. he thinks very highly of you. So that's good. Um, but we went from that, like the one that he's taught, taught out. It's like dudes clearing a fucking building in the middle of pick a country in our, in the Middle East. Um, to like this really weird campaign where, you know, I don't know what we were trying to do. I really don't. And I, I get, I've seen it and I could go on a million tangents on, on what and why people are and aren't joining. And you talked earlier about why people aren't retaining, why we aren't retaining people. Why people aren't joining is a very different conversation. Um, and I'm not sure it's ads that are going to do it. This is not. And I don't think that ad I don't think that's going to make anyone join. I, I just don't. And and I now, like I said, hearing it through, because I could hear it perfectly while you watched it. Hearing it, like if that's a radio spot, I'd be like, oh, that's pretty cool. But watching it visually, I'm that. I I don't think it sends a good visual message of what the military should be trying to let people know what it does. And I bring this up because, and again, I can get into what I do offline, but. There's a, there's, there's a hall I've, I've walked and it's filled with probably, I would say, recruiting posters, campaigns over since going back to World War I. And mm -hmm. you watch them. You watch what the army sold. And you watched how it evolved. And they always, what's up, Frank? You big stretch, bro? Big stretch, bro. <laughs> He's racked out. The army always sold adventure, skills, and people. And I think they're highlighting too much this segment of what I talked about earlier of people. And they're not highlighting 
the country. They're not highlighting the, the actual population. They're highlighting very loud segments of the country instead of the country itself. Hmm. We stopped selling skills. We stopped telling people how, like, if you join, this is what you're going to learn. Like one of the ads I think is one of the coolest things is it's for the 10th mountain division. It's like, become a mountain man, learn the skills. And it's like mm -hmm. a dude hanging off a fucking cliff, like scaling a mountain and like that's 10th mountain or mm -hmm. become a radio, like learn the skills of operating a radio. This is world war two one. It's like how you are going to join and we are going to teach you everything you need to know about how to learn and operate a, a, a radio. Like it was a very specific targeted ad. Mm -hmm. Same thing with, with Germany. There's like this E five dude, like hanging out and he's like, Man, I stayed in Germany because I love it here. Like, that's the ad. Like, it's mm -hmm. it's it's showing adventure. Go see the world, all this stuff. And we got away from that for a long time. Uh, and, and there's a million reasons why. I I don't know. And I, and I think you've brought up good points about how COVID stopped a lot of things. But I also think it brought about a lot of things. That's true. Yeah. And so... Me at my core, Kay, and I, and I think we kind of come from a very similar position on just like, we just want America to be pretty fucking good. And, and, and you know, we just, you know, we well, want I think, to uh, I think the issue is that the army lost its vision to begin with. And so it's bled into every other aspect of the army. You know what I mean? Whether it be recruiting, whether it be retention, whatever the case physical fitness like whatever the case may be it's it's slowly bled into that and i think we're now we're seeing the ramifications of what happens when top leadership doesn't have a good vision of where our organization is supposed to go and i i think it's just trickled down and and now we're just kind of in the thick of it seeing what's happening you know so from your last position then this is what I was saying. Um, I think we ultimately just want to see our country, our military strong, doing great. Well, we're not. Um, and I, I obviously like we have the potential like that. Mm -hmm. That's never going to go away. But what do you think needs to be done for because you're not that far removed from it, right? You know, 2017, you joined. So what are you, 23, 24? Now? 24. Almost 24. 25. <laughs> All right. Yeah, almost. Right. So that's it. That's. And you'll see this, especially when you hit 30, like the, the gaps become bigger and bigger, right? Between you at 17 to you at 25 to you at 30 to you at 40. Like these are huge mm -hmm. leaps in the population in them. Everyone's at very different stages of their life. Everyone's trying to do a million different things. But what do you think that 17, 18 year old needs to hear or see from its military? Because I mean, I've spent so much time in high schools and colleges the last six years. Like the average person still doesn't, they have no concept of what the army offers. Mm -hmm. I didn't like, I learned so much by being in recruiting that I wish I would have known. Now, now it probably wouldn't have persuaded me because I was told you I, I had a very specific path that I was going to fail epically at before I found the army. But <laughs> still, like if I knew the thing, like, as you're a great story for this because you already talked, described like the position that you'll be in because of your experience. But mm -hmm. if we don't sell through ads, through whatever it is on just what, not just the army, this is, these are DOD programs. This is the whole military, mm -hmm. like what they actually have for, for kids, for people like those, you have so much opportunity that's, and it's, it's all going to be given to you. Like 
You just got to do, you don't even have to do three. You got to do two years now in the army. You get 80%. Oh, really? Two? You get 80% of your benefits if you do two year contracts. But anyway, still, let's just, let's bring it to the, let's not get into the weeds. Let's just, for fucking three years, you get it all. Hang out for three fucking years, check in, check out, gone. Now you're set, right? But what would, what would you say? And if you were sitting in some, office that's making a recommendation to someone who's going to decide what would you tell them that they should be selling to the population so the targeted so population again the, the target yeah uh, you don't need to sell it to 50 year old moms and dads who don't have <laughs> kids growing right that's just so my recruiter sold it to me because he was also from the same area that he was recruiting out of so he was from kansas he you know yeah, that's good i like that, that that is a cool thing yeah, and so he sat me down. He's like, look, dude, like, you only have a couple options here. And he was like, none of them are great. Like, realistically, like, look at the culture here. I, I come from a super small town, and people aren't great. So he's like, look, dude, like, look look around you. Look who comes to the football games. People who have, you know, been out of high school, like, five, six years, still showing up to your high school basketball games. That's fucking weird. And he was like, he's like, the military will get you out of generational poverty. It was like, you take yeah. it, you have the VA home loan, your college is paid for, your books are paid for, they give you a stipend. And he was like, if you get hurt, you get benefits when you get out. He's like, if you die, your family gets a 400K payout. And he was like, I'm not going to promise you anything more or anything less other than that. And he was like, I can only sell you guarantees and that's what I'm going to tell you. And I, you know, I was like, this is a great fucking deal. I get to, you know, shoot people and I, <laughs> and they pay them my stuff. Like, this is great. Um, and it has. Like, my parents do know that it's set me well above my years. Like, Kyle and I are homeowners, and the average age in a, in the United States right now to own a home for first time homebuyers is is thirty, and we're well under that. Well, yeah. I am. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, like I said, I'm well ahead of my peers because of the things that the army has allowed me and given me. But if I were in that same chair today, I would, I would say like camaraderie, but we don't, we're lacking on that these past couple of years. I would, that's the best part of the military for me is the people yeah. that I've met and the relationships that I've had because of it has made it worth it. But I'm not sure how the army can sell that anymore with the way things currently are. I wish they did. I think I think it's great that you brought that up because that's what I've always told people. And that, that was what I would sell myself. Like, you know, if mm -hmm. it as a recruiter, you know, I would talk this thing. And then as a station commander, when it when it came time to me to do the closing on on applicants, I would always say, look, I get what most kids think, especially most dudes like all of them. need. They all think they're going to fucking college to play sports and all. Like, I can tell you how that story goes. <laughs> I can. I, I mean, I can tell you. And I was a really good high school player. A lot of these kids aren't that good at high school sports and they think they're going to be somehow magically turned into LeBron James. Like, bro, that ain't how this shit works. Right. Um, but from the camaraderie aspect that you're talking about, I always would say that the closest thing to a sports locker room, and I don't know if you played sports in high school or whatever, but okay. The, the, the only thing I would say that remotely comes close to being in the locker room is just being in the army. It's those moments in formation where you're just fucking talking shit and you, everyone's cracking jokes on each other or it's like, oh, look at Kay's fucking hair. You look like a fucking dork or, or you know, mm -hmm. whatever it is, like you're just having fun with each other. You're in the barracks chilling with each other. That's like being in the dorms in college. Like you're just having a good time with each other. Mm -hmm. And I still remember my battle buddy in, in basic training, you talked about the first time he ever flew was on basic training. His first time, he lived in Kodiak, Alaska. <laughs> he had to fly everywhere. 
like anytime they wanted to go to the grocery store, they had to take a little hopper flight around it. Like, and mm-hmm. this dude was as pale as this fucking, like he'd never really seen the sun. And now he's coming to Columbia, South Carolina. And it's just like another guy at AIT. The guy was literally one of the legacy dudes who was like, look, you either going to jail or you're going to the army. Like he was one of those guys. He was a fucking mm-hmm. gangbanging crip from LA. He was my battle buddy in, in AIT. His last name was Cleveland. I don't know where the fuck he is now, but this dude would sit there with this big ass smile and just be like, all the time, like in the back of formations. Like he was just a good dude. These are people you would never come across in, in regular life where we're from. Definitely not in small town, Kansas. No. I'm not from Southern California. I damn sure I've never been to Alaska, but the army should be selling that. It should be selling the fact that we are all one country made up of so many different populations and cultures and people. That's what you should sell. Not this no. like, I'm gonna get myself in trouble. So I'm not gonna say anything. I think the camaraderie is what we should sell. If you want to sell that, because I think more than ever, especially during the COVID time, and I've seen this, mm-hmm. seen this with a lot of high school kids, like that that hit them hard. Like being like one day, like we're around my classmates, and the next day, like, man, we've had graduating classes who never got to go to fucking school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They spent their whole entire senior year on Zoom. So my brother was, uh, he was a beginning a sophomore when COVID kicked, or into sophomore year when COVID kicked off. Never got into a prom, like nothing. They had like a very small graduation. So it robbed them of essential parts of their welcome to adulthood, essentially. Yeah. Well, and that's what I'm saying. Like now more than ever is the time to tap into that. Mm -hmm. You want camaraderie? You You want extended family? You want friends for life? Hey, especially people, because pe- most people that join the military come from broken homes. Like, just right. The majority of the United States is from broken homes. So, if I'm selling you, like, hey, man, you can come be part of our family, yeah, and yes. we're gonna pay you, we're gonna give you X, Y, Z benefits, and all you owe us is three years, and you can fucking dip if you want to. Yeah. Um, yes. Game changer. Same thing. Like all, I, I, these are all anecdotes, but I don't think my story is much different from most people. My my first E5 team leader mentor, this dude, Jose Acasio, I still talk to him. He's fucking from the south side of Chicago. Really shitty fucking area. Like that. Every time you see me post that dumbass picture of us in DCUs in the Prague airport getting lit coming back from Iraq, where I'm just like, the dude next to me, that's Oca- That's my boy Like for life. Like I still mm-hmm. talk to him. I still talk to my recruiter. He's a CW3 now. Like he w- He's all I wanted to be, this dude from fucking Killeen, Texas. Mm-hmm. Delroy Thomas, right? He was a drill sergeant at 21. He was a recruiter at 25. I remember sitting in his office at 21. I'm like, damn, this motherfucker was a drill sergeant. And I'm just now coming in. <laughs> he's just fucking just, just, he just looked like it, man. He just, and he still does. And I'm like, that's all I wanted to be. And I'm still in touch with, we, I just talked to him before I moved out here on the phone. Like mm-hmm. these are relationships and friends and families. Like, it's like you said, it's extended family. That's what we should be selling. Mm-hmm. Not this like, corny like oh let's cater to this group today and let's talk about whoever with their two moms like that can be fine that can be part of someone's story but the average person doesn't give a fuck do you think so do you think if you know those uh like instagram edits where it's just like war footage and like a shitty rap video like music like thrown over do you think if we we throw that out there do you think the response is going to be a lot better to that in like the gen z population than like the the ads that we have now you think it's just going to be like 
I don't think I, I don't think that like I look so the I just finished my station commander time when I got out last year right and so I recruited in a very geographically small area in the Bay Area mm-hmm. but two very different worlds 10 minutes apart one was Benicia, California, very affluent, a lot of retirees, a lot of Air Force retirees from Travis up in Fairfield, about a half hour north, but a lot of retired money from the Bay Area and San Francisco. Very beautiful town. Benicia was actually the capital of California for a year in the 1860s. Uh, General Grant, he was a captain and he established the first you know, gardens in Benicia because it was too long of a ferry ride to go over to San Francisco. Like there's a huge military history there and it's a very beautiful community. 10 minutes to the east or to the west is Vallejo, California. Vallejo is one of the most violent, poor, affected communities in all of California. It's like top 10 in violent crime in California. That's five minutes from my office. The other one's five minutes the other direction. Mm-hmm. Top five most safest, well-affluent communities, bottom five in terms of violence. And like these kids in Vallejo High School, um, they, they have one way out. Well, okay, they got three ways out. One is realistic. Yeah. Two of them, like, they think they're going to be a rapper. E-40s from there, <laughs> fucking two shorts done. Like, the, that's where, like, this is, that's the Bay Area hip-hop community. Like, yeah, they're going to be rappers. They're going to be athletes. There's some good athletes that come from Vallejo, but. But you have to have good grades to match that. That's what most thank people you, are. Right? It, thank you. And then the other option is the military and where they fail with even that is the education system so bad. Like these kids will come into my office. They'll get a fucking three on the practice ASVAB. Oh dude. Yeah. That was the same for us back in 2017, the area I'm from, like we had recruiters running like a study hall each night. So like, cause they were, they were trying to make mission, you know, they yeah, were by regulation. They, they can't, you know that like, but, they can't. really? Oh no, they were doing it. I, I hope they are. I, I like, you know, there's regulations that I think are meant to be broken. That's one of them. Cause I think it's the dumbest thing is like, you can't help a kid study. Like really? Mm-hmm. I can change this fucking kid's life. And at the same time, make mission that you keep that you, you harp so much on. Yeah. You're going to have some arbitrary regulation in there that says you can't fucking do that. Really? Yeah. You're going to sit give- there and tell me that you're going to cold call people's houses for an hour instead of tutoring this kid in math. So we can Who wants to join? Do you have yeah. him. He wants to join. No, don't do that. Go find, like you said, go call for an hour and find Johnny. Who's like just waiting for you to call by the phone. Cause that happens. Right. Like, mm-hmm. Man. But that's why I said, like I could go down that rabbit hole so deep and dig so many fucking more holes but yeah but I, I bring all that up to say like like that's that's a very big dichotomy of the recruiting world and the challenge but if you think selling half of these ads to that population in Vallejo is going to register it ain't well it, I feel like the videos but what you said would work like viewpoint and no. so they're it won. I feel like the army wants to come off as a very professional organization, and we are. Don't get me wrong, but we're, we're a war fighting organization first. And I feel like the message is being lost, and that's maybe why you don't like the the ads or the recruiting we have now because it's the message isn't there of what the actual organization is about, what we do, what's the heart of our mission. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and then you bring up a good point. Like we we stopped selling the fact that you know soldiers are still dying 
Right. And then we've completely like, don't get, I'm, I'm not going to get started on the, the withdrawal of Afghanistan, especially with some of those videos, you know, the testimony that resurfaced this week. Oh yeah. I don't want to get in on that, but um, I mean, that's, that's, but that's, that's the fucking reality. That stuff's going on. That stuff happened. That's, that's fairly fucking recent. Like, and we still have people there. I still have a buddy yes. in Iraq right now. It's so it's, I'm people you never just, leave. Okay. No, no. <laughs> people are just trying I don't to get it. And, die. and it's, it's the reality is I still have buddies going. I still have buddies deploying. Kyle's deployed right now. Obviously he's not in the Middle East, but you know, there's still deployments going on. Just because we put yeah. out Afghanistan doesn't mean we put out the entire Middle East. I, I'm having cold calls from contractors over there trying to get me to come out there and work because there's work to be, you know, there's money to be made over there. Yeah, um, there always will be. Yeah. Always, always. Yeah. It'll never go away. It doesn't matter if our presence leaves or not. We're actually never going to leave. I just wish we, I just wish we were honest with, with, you know, like we, we rely too much on the people that are there. <laughs> And what you already talked about, we talked about retention. We talked about this thing. Like, look, my daughter, my daughter's 17. She doesn't, want to, she doesn't want to join the army. I don't want her to. Her mom doesn't want her to. Her stepdad, who's retired army, doesn't like, he doesn't want his daughters doing it. Like, I don't want them in the army. Yeah. One of her friends like took the ads. She's like, dad, one of my friends is going to hang out with the air force after school and take some test for this. I'm like, oh, the ads. She's like, yeah, that one. I'm like, are you gone? She's like, no. I'm like, good. Don't. <laughs> like, And, but it's, it's a double-edged sword. It, it is. is because the only reason I joined the army was because of my grandfather. Mm-hmm. Like he was in Korea. His brothers were in the army. My dad's dad, my other grandfather, he was in the Coast Guard in World War II. And I just didn't really know enough about it to even look at that. Now, when I look back in hindsight, like the only branch that's still like doing shit from a standards and discipline standpoint, it's still the Coast Guard. Like those fuckers go hard. And I, I love it. Um, but yeah, like if my daughter were to join the military, I don't want her in the army. I can agree to that. I I love my time in the army. I love being an advocate for other female soldiers because I'm very outspoken and yeah. I I feel like I'm a very good role model for the type of work that we do. Um, but I, I wouldn't want my kids like my little sister. She's 11. No fucking chance. Absolutely not. At least not the way that it is right now. I can handle certain things, but I know my personality. I know you know just how I am as a person. Um, I'll be fine, but other individuals, no chance, not, not a chance. That's a big thing though, because like the military has always relied on legacy, right? Mm-hmm. Family history and stuff. And now if that starts going away and I, I'm, I'm honest, I'm, I'm telling you, I don't, it's, but be, that's, that's because of 21 years of my own experiences. Well, right? do you think that that's a factor as well of kids not listening? I mean, keep in mind, Gen Z is, you know, the people who were in the early GWAT, they have kids who are enlisting age now. Are yeah, they don't closer to my age, really, in the early yeah, 20s. So it's like, we don't is, want that, is that a factor? That yeah, absolutely. It's just, it's just, it's distrust. And, and, the, and the government, unfortunately, has earned it. They've earned the distrust that many of those guys and girls that you talk about have and experienced. They continue to do so. Obviously, look at what's going on right now about Marine, uh, you know, testifying to Congress. So. That's what I'm saying. Like that, that, that. Okay, I, 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 had, I think I had just. What the fuck is going on? Can you hear this? No. Okay, good. I mean, there's like eight fire trucks just going hard right now with sirens on. There's always something going down in this area. I'll tell you. Okay. All right. As long as it's not my building, I just need, I haven't heard a fire alarm yet. So, um, 
No, uh, but yeah, kind of what you're saying with that with that Marine and, you know, that Afghanistan withdrawal was a very prominent thing that's on display. But I, I, I go back to one of the things we were talking about probably 45 minutes or so ago was all of these options that are available. I know we talk about and how it can set people up, but at the same time, it's like it's hard to sell that part of it without knowing that you're really selling the camaraderie and that's it. Cause what comes above you and, and over your head and all those decision makers, like you could, you, you can't control any of that stuff. You, you're at the, you're at the whim of what they're going to do. You're subject to that. Mm-hmm. And you can build all these great relationships along the way, which is, you know, a very great selling point, but yeah, like the Gen Z's and all, like I said, they, they, these kids all think they're going to go to college because that's another thing. Like they're 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 forced into thinking they have to go to college, mm-hmm. but then they go and they all think they got six figure jobs waiting for them the day they walk they out. Of this, you know they they don't because they're not. But I mean, I blame that on the companies as well. Because uh, again, I'm like you know now in college, so I'm looking at the job field and everything requires a degree. And I'm like ninety. I would say seventy percent of these jobs outside of the STEM field don't you don't need a degree. No, you it, you it, it comes down to networking, like you said, but also just, you know, you can learn a lot of this stuff. Oh, for sure. But you have and, to get the and the thing is, if you walk in the door with your, one, your shit together and you're the right candidate and you don't have a degree, most companies will fold on that stuff. They're like, okay, you have five years experience, you have XYZ certifications, we can let a college degree go as long as you're the right person for the job. Yeah. Um, well, but that's why I said, like, it makes it hard for me. I, I, I go through so many different angles of, of the emotion side of it. It was like, because I, A, I, I, don't get me wrong. I don't want our military to keep dealing with the, the, the recruiting and retention challenges that it is. You know, you, you obviously want something strong, but you also expect uh, a similar commitment from those in charge of deploying it and sending it to places. Right. And I think that's a, that's a big disconnect, but I think that disconnect only exists for those of us in it mm-hmm. or who've recently experienced it. I think that's what the problem is. Um, we're just such a big country at this point that most people aren't paying attention. They're not involved. They, it's, it doesn't affect them because they're not, in it they don't have friends or family in it like mm-hmm. they're all just going about their own lives um and, and i, I, I see this i say we we need we need hard times again in this country to create some sort of like autocorrect and get back to the unification of where the fact that we're all in this as a country together and we don't live like that anymore at I least think not we're right. also a bit desensitized too because i mean yeah. you know 9 11 and GWA in my era we grew up post 9 11 i was like three when 9 11 happened so like all I know and all I grew in was a post 9-11 world where, yeah. you know, the yeah, you don't know what it's like to have your friends meet you at the gate coming back from Thanksgiving Day leave and just everyone's drunk at the gate like, Eric, sweetie, what's <laughs> up? Like, what the fuck? You can't even do that shit anymore. You have no. never been alive to know what it's like to go to an airport gate because you grew mm-hmm. up in the TSA area and I'm, I feel bad for you. <laughs> okay. But I mean, it, it, you're just so desensitized to it that like, yeah, I knew about the military, but before I joined, did I really know anything? No. You know what I mean? Like, no, that's true. You, like, can, I, you can research all day long, but until you're actually fucking in boots yourself doing the job, you have no understanding of 
what the job actually entails. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what else did I have on here? I had, so I had a really interesting, and I, and I think you might have some insight on this because just, just at least aware of the command level that you worked at. Um, I had an interesting conversation with someone the other day and it's centered around, like, I think a lot of our side of Twitter or whatever, Mm -hmm. definitely a lot of the dudes that I, I talk to on a daily basis who are like your husband or in that, that world, a lot of their fears center around, like they think because of whether it's the government with the army's priorities or, or what they at least publicize as priorities, they think we're going to have a really difficult time winning a near peer conflict, especially with China. And so I, I bring up the conversation because the conversation is like, this person stated like, well, I don't know why anyone in, in America thinks that China's ready too, because China's not either. China's got three times the population and most of them are rural and they have no idea what their government or military is doing. And most of them have no concept either of what it's, what it would be like to to have a, a war with a country like the United States. And that got me thinking because I think we we focus so much on the things we don't like about our military or the things we see in the media. Um, and I think, I think they brought up a really good point. It's that we just assume when we talk these near peer discussions, like, yeah, they're just, they just, they can't wait to fight the United States of America. Like you got to remember, it's not just your military that goes to these wars, right? This is your country that has to unify behind that moment. You know, and we did that. Like, I know you say you were three, four years old, but I was 20 when that happened. Like, I remember, like, we were a very unified country for about a year and a half. And then mm-hmm. it just, you know, everything came out afterwards. But when I when I say that or when you think about those, th- what comes to mind? Are you worried about the United States and ever having, because, I mean, Russia, regardless of what you think with Russia and Ukraine, like, that's. I'm not even going to deal with that, but like the, the China thing though, is, a, is, a, is, has kind of always been at the, if they, if, if China wasn't in the rear view, they were always kind of in the peripheral because China does things very differently than the United States. They, you know, they, they plan centuries and, and they're kind of in their latest century of world influence and economic power. And they are, mm-hmm. and they're a very big country. Militarily, they're unproven. So we don't really know what that looks like, but mm-hmm. it is a legitimate fear, I think, or a little a legitimate concern for people like, you know, your husband does what he does and, and some of our friends. So what what do you think in that regard? So my personal standpoint is always be prepared because obviously you never know what can happen. Shit can change on it on a dime. You know what I mean? We've just seen that from our history in the military to just being in the Middle East in general. One day you're fine, the next day it's hellfire. Like, you know, things are so crazy. So I would say, obviously, never be complacent. You always need to be, you know, prepared for what can happen. You're in the military. You signed up to go to war regardless of you want to go or not. That it just is what it is. It's just literally it was in your, when you raised your right hand and you swore in, it was a part of that. So Obviously, be prepared, but I'm not worried. Um, and I think that issue is way above me. And I think it's 
at least from what I've seen working in soft and, and obviously what my husband does and what he tells me, sure, we should be on the lookout for it. But at the end of the day, like you said, a lot of them are in rural areas. And I think it's not just the United States changing, it's the entire world. Everybody has connections to social media nowadays. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. So although we only have eyeballs on our military, we don't know how you know, China's military or Russia's military or how it's affecting them in any way, shape, or form, at least at my level. You yeah. know, we have no regard for how the fucking that dude on the line of Russia's military, how what, what what's going through his head right now? You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I mean, we're seeing videos now come out of that conflict and, and stuff like that, but it just kind of goes to show of, like, they don't want to be there neither side really wants to do this um so it's a very will that also play out into you know us not wanting to go to a war with china or china not wanting to go to war with us or whatever country you know it doesn't matter who it is i remember reading like so when i was in kuwait you know i was based there in 2015 and um we were reading a story about the russian military and how they didn't have socks and I remember, like, you know, this, like being in Kuwait or being in Arif John, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is it? Two PXs you can go to. You have the main one and then you have the one in zone six. They got three now. They have three. They oh, do they? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I was going to get it. I'll, I'll tell this late after this. But yeah, I just remember thinking, like, hmm, that's interesting. I think I'll just go to the PX right now and buy me in a three pack of socks. <laughs> and I did. Because I just thought that was funny. Like, in a way, I thought, like, from a little smart-ass, little, like, platoon sergeant role, I was just like, anything I need to get my Joes or my soldiers, I can go get it right now. And I just remember feeling, like, a sense of, like, weird, twisted pride. Like, "Ah, that fucking private in Russia doesn't have socks. And I didn't care. Because, like, I was still very, like, oh, you know, as long as we're on, uh, that's cool. That sucks Mm -hmm. for you guys. I, I don't know why you don't have socks. (laughs) <laughs> the most basic fucking thing you would think right yeah. but that's also like this is what i love about our our defense industry it's like we create the secondary market for everything like what what's oh, yeah. the, what is joe what and i don't know if this affected you so much it definitely affects the dude so i don't know if it affected you when you got out of base training but what does every dude when they get out of basic training what can't they wait to go do buy new boots yes not the ones that get issued to them. <laughs> they want to go buy $250 boots. <laughs> I would sit there and sit like, I'm like, why does it, why does it Nike or Oakley or any of these other companies, why are they the, the sole supplier? Why is it some <laughs> stupid ass boot that, you know, now it's like, it's actually not that bad of a boot, but it's still. Dude, know. those boots lasted me three years in almost two deployments. I'm not, I was like, Three months left on my second deployment, and it the soul finally like shit out. But the they carried me for a long time. I wore the issued ones. Your issued ones? Mm-hmm. No, like the, the the issued ones now that you're getting are, are actually pretty legit. Yeah, I came in in the black boot era where we had this. Yeah, I came in in the black boot era where like half of basic training was spent polishing boots. So I I don't know what basic training's been filled with since we went to the the desert brown boots, but. I don't know. You guys should, apparently should be smarter now because half of my time in basic training was polishing boots. I don't know. But yeah, but that's my point, right? It's like, 
So I bring that up because that's like uh, our secondary market of shit is just it's filled with stories like that. It, you you probably know like I think you've tweeted stuff about this. Like your husband just goes and buys kit. Like <laughs> he buys his own kit. He, fuck what's been issued to him, and he's probably mm-hmm. getting like really different stuff compared to the average soldier. But still, yeah. he's still buying his own stuff, right? And that for sure, I take that into account because I'm just like, man, there's this article I still would never forget reading about in 2015 of Russian soldiers who don't have socks. And there's yeah, no there's apparently everything. And even even soldiers I know, like some units have like certain I wouldn't say laws, but policies where you can't use your own personal gear. Um, but That's from what I've seen in soft, it's encouraged to buy your own stuff. Like they yeah. get a Kyle has, I don't know, our fucking garage is full of shit. Yeah, uh, well, that's that's whatever. what's weird to me. Like, if you can go, if if they're cleared to go, like, what they should be given a, an actual budget to go buy their own shit. Yeah. Like, I know we get soldier like a, a clothing allowance, but I, I mean, come on, that's everyone knows your clothing allowance is only to buy alcohol. No, no one uses it. <laughs> Although I'm not gonna lie, I did like my latest pair of boots I bought two and a half years ago. The the Nike, the SFP, like the Gen Three or whatever. I bought those. I actually got in trouble in airborne school for having the gen ones. Did I ever tell you that story? Really? Yeah. No. So airborne school, I went in February of 2010 when we were at Benning, I was on a cycle break and I showed up with, I got in trouble twice. So I showed, I was it the first ones were the Nikes, the first generation. You couldn't have them because the, the sole wasn't salt. Like you had to have a rubber sole and these were not. The first generation Nike boots were great because they were like eight ounces. They were super fucking light, but they wore down so quick. Now, what they are now, I've had those almost three years. Those things, they don't wear down at all. Like, like you can do all kinds of crazy shit. Like, no, I love those boots. The first one's got in trouble because they weren't at. I went the very night I got in trouble. I went to the, the base fucking boot store at Benning. And I bought these, like, I think they were Russell brand. I was just like, oh, wow, those look cool. They're light, kind of like the Nikes. They got a solid bottom. Very next, very next morning, same black hat. Be in my office after PT. I'm like, what the? F- what did I do now? Like, your fucking boots aren't an inch thick. And I'm like, oh my god, you're right, they aren't. It's like you show up tomorrow with the wrong fucking boots. <laughs> and I didn't have any of the issued stuff at this point. Like I've been doing my shit, whatever, with the the regular Nike boots. And you can do whatever you want when you're a drill sergeant, yeah. right? But it's like fuck. Now I gotta go buy a third pair of boots in three days. <laughs> Taking these things, and I, and I bought just whatever. I went. I think I bought the actual like Belleville or whatever those fucking boots are. Yeah, I think that's like the yeah, the more standard ones. I have Rockies, but my Rockies have lasted me two and a half years. Yeah. And but I mean, I worked in the office for the past two, yeah. and I have done nothing. Those cool are pretty since. expensive too, though. Like those are those are up there. Are those the ones with like the rigid side or is that the Oakleys that have like the, like the, along the sides of the sole? Yeah, they have the ridges. It's like a thicker sole, like a, the ankle is a lot more thicker and more supportive because I have weak ass ankles, so. I've I've never worn Rockies or Oakleys. I've always, it's always been the Nikes or I had one pair of Reeboks once. That was like 10 years ago. I don't like the way Reeboks look. Like they feel great, but they're just ugly. I just like the Nikes. The Nikes are cool. Nikes look good. Yeah. And then I still have a pair of like the issued ones. So like the big thing I remember, like when we went to Iraq, like we got issued desert boots for the first time and oh, they were so bad because what they were was like, if you think back, have you ever seen like the old, the jungle boots? Yeah. I know what you're talking about. 
Right. So that's what those souls were originally on. Like when we started the invasion in Iraq in 2003, the desert boots were that soul for the jungle boots. Mm-hmm. That like squared off kind of thing with like cuts in it. And what we did, this it was Shins was this place. If you're ever at Fort Stewart, there's this place called Shins off base. And they do all of like the alterations and boots and stuff. And we put mm-hmm. the ripple soles on. You know what the ripple soles are? Yeah. Like jagged tooth looking sole. So we put ripple. So that's, they're called ripple soles, right? Look that shit up. So we put ripple soles on all of our boots. And the funny thing about that was, so like if people don't know this, if, if you resole a boot, it's glue, mm-hmm. right? So we were like four months into our deployment in Iraq. Like we're doing, you know, dismount patrols or we're just walking around. Did they the start to melt? Were they like melting? Soles melted off. Yeah. My soles melted off. Like I had two sets of boots, both with ripple soles on them. And both of them, like the, like I, every step I would take, like the flap would come down. <laughs> like, the Kuwait was so hot sometimes <laughs> where we had to go down. Like our, our company had like a water hose and we'd spray the bottom of our boots before we'd walk on the asphalt. If we had to walk anywhere. Cause if not, it would slowly like get sticky and more tacky and you'd be like, what the fuck? And it'd be, your soul is literally melting. So I don't know if this changed from a, 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 a per, like an equipment perspective. Cause I didn't really hear or see about it much after like Oh three Oh four. But so you remember during the invasion, well, you, I mean, you don't remember no, I don't. So <laughs> the invasion of Iraq was third infantry division, right? So tanks and Bradley's and their, their replacement was the first armor division. So again, tanks, Bradley's mostly tanks for that. The tanks were tearing up the streets around Iraq, Baghdad, Mosul, any city, because the asphalt would get so hot. But then with the weight of the tank, it was literally like tearing up the fucking asphalt. So we're having our contractors and our engineers go and like putting new asphalt in all the time. And then a day later, like it never really sets because it's always so hot. Tanks would go back out, Bradley's would go back, and all these track vehicles were just tearing this shit up. I never really heard about it. I don't know if they changed the tracks or whatever, but if you ever look at like an old Abrams or a Bradley track, like they've got rubber in there, right? But that stuff would imprint into the pavement because it's so hot. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we, we tore the streets up literally in, in Iraq because of that. I'm, I'm not surprised. <laughs> it's fucking heat, man. It's crazy. Uh, but yeah, like so boots melted. That was fun. Nothing really fun happened. Like, eh. I don't know. So you went to Jordan. Did you get to at least, did you get to go float in the Dead Sea? Yeah, I did actually. Really? That was the only thing yeah. I could do. Hang my on. I'm going to plug you in real quick. I have like 20 minutes left on my yeah. battery. And no, then I'm fine. back on. That's fine. You do that. And I'm going to go refill my beverage. So for those watching on YouTube, you enjoy the scenery of her picturesque picture. Whatever that is back there. Looks decent. All right, as we effort our way back, I need to find out what I'm going to, ooh, let's do that. Let's go with the little hookers. 
Oh yeah. Hang on, I'm gonna swap you around. Oh, let's see that. I mean, the good news is we're almost done. I, I there's like a few more things I have on this little list, but you know, oh, you're good. I have time. No, that's good. I mean, I should have live streamed so Kyle could watch from wherever he's at, but uh, he's asleep right now. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah, we're gonna up at like eleven o'clock my time for start his day over there. Are you able to say where he's at or no? Yeah, he's in Europe. Oh, okay. That's where I figured. Yeah, that's where most people are right now, honestly. There's a couple people from our side of Twitter over there. Yeah, I saw. I, I, I reached out to one of our, our buddies. He's not going to be back till October. And I was like, oh, okay, well, come on in October then. Um, yeah, no, that was one of the things I was – learning about a few months ago when I was trying to figure out what the hell I was going to do when I got out. And I was like, do I really want to go straight into that? I really don't. So I didn't. Um, I've gotten, I've gotten a couple offers to go out there. Kuwait. Um, shit. I put on Twitter a couple months ago. I think it was like two now. Kyle had just left and I got a phone call from a buddy. He's like, Hey man, like we need HR people out here. Like they're hiring 80 K like untaxed. It's only for six months. And I was like, fuck, like, I would have known we both would have deployed, just pocketed that yeah. money and then came home. And Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, the only thing, my, my only issue with, um, like, Kuwait is from the civilian side. I don't know how quick or how closely you work with civilians. It's like, they work those, they work deployment hours, which kind of sucks. And, yeah. you know, I mean, I get it. You're, you're getting a little bit more money than what you were doing as a soldier, but still, you I just think like, do you really want to work, you know, 12, 14 hours a day, six hours, six days a week? Probably not, you know. No, but I mean. You can get that money. same money stateside, if not more, and, and have a nice, you know, eight to four job and chill five days, you know. Oh, that, that's true. So I get it. Don't like, one thing I, I've learned and I would, and I would always tell you, especially and, and your husband too, when he comes back is don't chase the money because that stuff's always going to be there for you guys, but more so for you, mm -hmm. like. As he gets older into his career, like he'll have tons of opportunities as well in the business oh, world if he wants them. But yeah, like I just don't don't chase the fucking money on stupid ass Kuwait for for sure. It's like it's not worth it. It's okay. He shot it down anyway. He was like, Good. no, <laughs> no, yeah, absolutely not. Which is funny because like I've done two deployments obviously before we got together, but we uh, this is our first deployment together and his first deployment overall. So. And now I'm a spouse, so it's a very different dynamic on, on this side of oh, the... Oh, this is his first one, for real? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Isn't yeah. it like an E6 or some shit? Yeah, but SF, they uh, promote a lot faster than... Oh No, I figured he would have went to Syria or some shit. I don't know. I don't know why I thought he already went somewhere. He that's joined cool. later on in life, too. He was yeah. 20, 22, 23 when he joined. Yeah, that's cool. Where's he from? He's from California, actually. What? What part? Um, like Southern California, like LA County type area. Yeah, gross. His family yeah. lives in Corona now, so. Corona's not bad. That's a pretty cool spot. Mm -hmm. It's still California, though. So. It's still California. Which is kind of funny, though. There, though. We're planning on going this summer to visit his family. No, you should. You should always visit California. You should just never live there. I've never been. Really? Yeah, I've never okay. been there. Well, but yeah, you're going to go to Southern. I still remember. Yeah, and I think it's funny because your your husband seems to be like huge into guns and shit so which is so funny it's it's very funny because he's a like a california surfer boy like yeah 
you know, just living the beach life. And then he was like, oh, I'm going to join the army. No, but that's, that's weird that you bring that up because uh, he just texted me because he just got the airborne school. But the last guy I put in, great dude, like really, really good kid, like super smart, like 95 on the ASVAB, like just a fucking... He walked in. He's like, I just want to join special forces. I'm like, well, what do you do now? And he's like at Cal Maritime. Which, so Cal Maritime Academy is in uh, Vallejo of all places, but mm-hmm. it's literally like a private school to prepare you to be like a maritime boat captain. Like you're going to learn oh, like, like it's real shit. Right. But he's from Huntington beach, lifeguard, water polo. Like if you mm-hmm. saw this, okay. Like, this dude, he, he he's my height, blonde hair. Like he's just, he looks like California. Like he's mm-hmm. just that dude, right? Like, you know, mm-hmm. big, bright smile, just, but just wants to be SF. That's how it goes. That's how and, it goes. And he's, he's in airborne school now. He just hit me up like last weekend. He's just thanking me for everything and for being honest with him. And I was, I'm like, yeah, I told you I wasn't going to fucking lie to you. But the, the point is like, it's cool that you say that about your husband because I know California gets a bad rap and a lot of it's deserved, but there are mm-hmm. some really good humans. There. Oh, yeah. Some really oh, yeah. good I patriots mean, there, man. That just that love. That could be this. said everywhere. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's, there is. Yeah. That's the interesting thing about the army is you think you know something about a certain area and then you meet someone from there and you're like, oh, fuck. Like, yeah. The people you had never expected to make friendships with is like crazy. Yeah, absolutely. No, but I, that's what I, I like. Uh, I was just so happy to hear. I, I I mean, I knew I would hear from him, but I was just so happy to hear that he actually made it through and there's no issues. And, mm-hmm. you know, he still has to get through selection and all that stuff, but you know, an airborne school, like he, he'll be fine, but yeah. that dude's not, that dude's not going to have any issue. Like he's, he's a natural leader. Like everybody on his campus loves him. Like he's just, a, he's just one of those dudes, you know, and he, yeah. he, he and he's super fucking smart. Like, mm-hmm. but the funniest thing about him, like, this is great. Cause I'm not using his name, but so this is great. So I had him in mm-hmm. and then like three days later, I get a call from, you know, the people who do like the security clearance interviews. It's like, Hey, mm-hmm. this guy's got like an arrest in, I want to say it, it was like Ohio. I think I'm like, what? No, there's not this. No, you got the wrong fucking dude. Like it's not this <laughs> guy. So sure enough, I call him. He's like, Oh yeah, man. Like, I went out for uh, a water polo tournament and we met some girls afterwards and this guy said some stuff. And so <laughs> I mean, this is like straight out of like a early nineties, like college sports movie. It's like, what are you kidding me? Like this actually happened. Like you're not, fucking he's like, no, I am. And like, so like, like I called the arresting officer and everything and it, it ended up being fine. But I was just like, like, it's stuff like why don't you tell me this like i can't help you if you don't tell me shit i can't but anyway i thought it was funny because he was so embarrassed by it but it's just like it is kind of funny sometimes to see like what people hide and what they actually have gone through because if you would just meet this guy you would never think that Mm -hmm. but then after you learn about it you'd be like oh yeah i could see you like knocking out some fucking dude who was fucking with some girl on campus because you were just trying to be a protector right like that's yeah he's a protector Mm -hmm. And that's ultimately what it came down to. And, you know, nothing happened from a, a charge perspective. But I just thought that was funny. And, and But he was so embarrassed by it. He didn't tell me. I'm like, well, I told you very specifically. You can't. <laughs> at some point, it's going to come out. Like, you can't hide yeah. that shit. And so, yeah, you can't hide shit anymore. I, it's even worse now. Like, Yeah, I've heard. 
Oh my God. I mean, all my, I mean, I'm in the E5, E6 range. So like most of my buddies are either drill sergeants. If they've stayed in there, you know, either drill or recruiting. And they, they, I've been explicitly told by multiple, by multiple people, do not go to recruiting. Well, most people don't have a choice. Most people don't. Um, but I mean, I'm a, a young, fit female soldier. I could yeah, do something like good. that. Yeah. No, and the problem with recruiting, like I, I did this when I did that space a few months back, well, more than a few months back at this point, it was like, so the army went to what the entire, not just the army, but the military, the Department of Defense went to what all of the United States does with medical records. There's a system called MS, MH Genesis. Oh, yeah, I've heard plenty. Yeah, so like all your records are there and it goes back in time like seven years and all this stuff and you can't hide anything like no. i mean look i already mentioned him and i don't know if he listens to this but it doesn't really matter because i've already done my career but like you know i sat down with him and i i filled out my 2807 which is basically your yes no medical history questionnaire and i was mm -hmm. honest and he's like all right here's another one now you're gonna fill this out the right way and I had broken my arm before I joined the army, right? Mm -hmm. Like if I would have said I broke my arm, I would have had to go get medical records, documents, all the bullshit. Like it, it, you didn't really, it, you didn't, it, like there was no limitation. So there was no point at the time. But now so someone trying to join like that, they don't have a choice. Like yeah. they literally can't hide. Like we, the army always called it a hot seat. Like, all right, okay, you and I are going to sit down. I need to know every possible thing that's gone on from your history medically. And I need you to mm -hmm. look at this piece of paper, circle all the yeses honestly. And then when you're done, tell me. And then let's see how we can take these yeses and turn them in the nose, right? That's, mm -hmm. that's an army hot seat, right? Yeah. You don't get to do that anymore. Like, it, it, <laughs> the, it, it, so many people are getting disqualified at MAPS before they even get it. To, like, that's so that's another heard. thing impacting recruiting. Like, there's just so much that goes into it, man. And how's that dirty Dr. Pepper? It's actually really good. Yeah. Well, it's probably not as good as my, I don't even know what I named this yet, but. I'm not really much of a drinker, if I'm honest. So, I mean, I don't even think, well, on the Goon Zooms, I, I think I was drinking because I had just gotten home from deployment, but. Now I don't know. You would just be really like this little square at the bottom of my screen. <laughs> oh, there's Kay in her little barracks room. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, locked down in my barracks room. Post, yeah, we we, we we would we would we would come to you and say hi at the beginning so we could get everybody involved and then yeah. Do you think like to, uh, taking it back to you? Do you think that's kind of what started the podcast like type deal like? No, you? not at all. No. Um. No? So um, my history, I my first major in college when I went to play baseball in New York. My first mm -hmm. my, it was it was broadcasting. Um. When I was in high school, I did the morning announcements, like in television. <laughs> so television yeah, production was the show and I did the morning announcements and we had to do these tryouts junior and senior year. And I always got selected to actually be on camera and do the morning announcements. Like this shit's mm -hmm. easy. Like talking, like that stuff's always been something I was interested in. I just was never willing or understood the work that was required to get into it. So like my first mm -hmm. major, like I said, was broadcasting and communications um, mm -hmm. in college. And I was... I never went to class like because I was just so dead set on being a baseball player. I was like, I'm going to go to class and then I'm going to parlay my baseball career. I'm going to be on TV afterwards <laughs> when I retire. Like, this is easy because yeah. like 
on camera talk any of that stuff's always been easy for me right being in the uh, same thing when it comes to you know being in front of format like any of that stuff's very easy for me right mm-hmm. and a lot of people that's hard and i and mm-hmm. i understand why but no so when i got back from my drill sergeant time i met a guy and i had him on the podcast jerry o'neill he's the retired espn orlando guy he was a talk radio host in orlando for probably 30 years but in 2012, like I reached out to him and I started doing a lot of stuff with, with ESPN Orlando. And like, I really wanted to get into that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he got me like credentialed into the Orlando magic. I, like I was be able, I, w- I was able to get into the locker rooms and do all this cool shit. And like in Orlando where I was living at the time, the only major sport we have is basketball. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't huge into the NBA and I, I really ain't now, but like it was, it was my way. So I was like, all right. You know, so I did. I I did some ESPN Orlando appearances. I I did some stuff with that. Um, my buddy and I, Derek, who was a drill sergeant buddy of mine, he was actually he, he's one of my really good friends. I was in his wedding and everything, but he was my replacement in Iraq in two thousand four. That's how we met. Um, but him and I were always doing sports gambling and and sports picks and all. Before this was before gambling, like gambling's mainstream now in sports. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we had a our own. It was on blogtalkradio.com. It's that website still exists, but blogtalkradio.com, we did our own show once a week for a half hour. And the way this was, it was live. Like it wasn't recorded. Like you, mm-hmm. you, you hit. And so we did that for a few years, man, a year and a half, maybe two years. We just, both of us kept deploying or mobilizing. So it was hard to do. Yeah. Um, so I always did that stuff. I've always done this type of stuff. And Honestly, the reason I wanted to get back into doing the podcast, because I did one like that through Blog Talk Radio, mm-hmm. um, probably until 2012, like the late 2012, because I deployed to Afghanistan in 2013. And that's kind of when I stopped everything. But I brought it back. I, I, I wanted to bring it back because of the Zooms. Mm-hmm. But early on, like I'm talking 2020, like when Nick, like Nick Guy, like a mm-hmm. friend of mine, who I still, you know, talk to all the time um nick was doing his podcast like, yeah i remember i was like oh shit like this is the podcasting has gotten way like eight years prior like it was yeah. hard to do a fucking podcast like it, it was it was literally hard and now like this is fucking easy like, like yeah. you didn't have zoom back then like you didn't have a can like it was all yeah. audio based like there was no there, there was it was very difficult to do this shit back then mm-hmm. and so when i saw what he was doing like i hit him up i'm like that's it that's all you do like that, <laughs> that's all you need uh, like yeah and then he stopped because you know he had his stuff he went and did his deployment and i was like all right and it just kind of worked like I fell into it after that, but yeah, mm-hmm. like Nick was kind of what helped me get back into it. But I've always done something with talking or broadcasting or any media. Like it, it's easy for me. It feels easy when you're talking. You or like when I just listen to the podcast myself. I just I just throw it on. I never watch. I just always listen. Um, and oh, I just yeah, take the yeah, dog on a walk and just do whatever. It just promotes <laughs> very nice. That's good. I, it's good to hear some positive feedback. You know, I don't, I, I don't think I have a good voice for it, but I, I've always hated my voice, but yeah, I mean, some people, it's like anything else. Some people are just born with a voice, right? Some people are born with, you know, anybody can, well, not anybody, but I mean, some people have the ability to talk or whatever, but you know, I don't know who you listen to, but not everybody's born with like a Joe Rogan sense of humor or a Dan Patrick. 
sports guy, like a voice, like I can sit here and talk with my deep voice. Like I don't have that, but I, you know, I can, I can talk my ass off. Which some people can't do a lot of back and forth. It's just like you're answering questions, and the host is like constantly yeah. feeding that. I, I hate listening to like cats like those. Yeah, that's uh, no. I've always wanted to do a conversation, and the way this originally started was it came out of the pot, the, the the pandemic. But I just. My original plan, K, was to just, I didn't want to do it with people I knew. Like, my goal mm-hmm. was to just take a camera like this. And, and mm-hmm. I wanted to be able to go up to people at, like, a coffee shop and be like, hey, do you have 25, 30 minutes to hang out and just talk? And then let me start up a random conversation with a really random person. And I thought mm-hmm. that would be a good thing to do. But pandemic hit. And it's like, well, I can't do that shit. So let me just. Yeah. I still have visions of doing that someday, but I don't, I don't know. I just, it's, it's, I don't want to, I don't want to overproduce this. Like I see the stuff that's on YouTube. Like I record this and I upload mm-hmm. it. And that's it. I, I'm not interested in graph. I'm not, I don't want to do any of that. Like mm-hmm. I don't want to produce shit. I just want to record it and, and, and let it be out there in the universe and, and go. Well, I like it. Cause it feels like, you know, when you sit down with a, with a cigar, a cigarette or whoever, and you're just bullshitting with a friend, that's what it sounds like. And I enjoy this type of content and the way it flows better than other podcasts that, like you said, are kind of more overproduced or more sketched out. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't want to do anything that's visually centered. I just want it to be able to something to be here, but that's what I like. I miss about the, 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 there will be banter shit when I had like Veronica and mm-hmm. um, Katrina or Christina, not Katrina, Christina. And then Ron, even Ron, well, Nick was on there originally too. Like that was like the original four people were pretty fucking fun, but mm-hmm. yeah, no, it is, but it's, it's evolving. It keeps growing. Like it, it's getting slowly some months are better than others but it's it's continuing to grow so that's cool you know it's probably never going to make me anything but it's fun i still like it this year's just been hard to schedule people man i mean you saw mm-hmm. how like you and i went back and forth three times but yeah man everybody i should have had like 10 people on at this point <laughs> i'm at three well you moved it's scheduling. Too, and then, like everybody's it's scheduling and, you know everyone everyone's got lives which i respect but you know i i it's it it would it there's so many people that I'm looking to talk to recently or that are coming up that I think are really like big names because of how it is slowly gaining some mm-hmm. traction and growing that there's no way I would have been able to be like, hey, you want to do this like three years ago? It wouldn't happen. Yeah. You'd be like, who the fuck are you, bro? But that's fair. Yeah, that's cool. So anyway, um when's 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 our favorite um dependa get back? Um, well, I'm not dependent now, but Kyle gets back. Um, oh, that's true. The, that's right. You're the dependent now. When's he get I, out? Look, I gave him the option when we first started dating. I was like, look, <laughs> you can get out and I'll just stay in and like, I'll go to suction because that's kind of the route I was looking at going. Did not work out that way. <laughs> yeah, it didn't. Did not work no, wait, out wait. when did you meet him? Where was he at? Was he already? It was a bug. He was a bug. He was a just finished a Q course he was in language and funny enough he failed his first round of language he's going to kill me for saying this but he failed his first round of of language and then um i guess a thing of covid kind of hit the schoolhouse so a lot of instructors were out so he got pushed back like four months and and essentially was holding and waiting on to for a new class to start and uh, I moved there in January of 2021, and I was only back for three weeks before he messaged me on Twitter, um, and we just kind of started hanging out. <laughs> I mean, you know Javier on Twitter, right? 
<laughs> which was actually a Mormon, I believe. But anyway, oh. he's someone I got to hit up. But no, like, I remember talking to him and his stories about the language. It's just like, it doesn't seem to be a very, like, serious thing. Really? <laughs> well, he learned, like, his, his language was French. And he's like, the instructor was just more interested in hooking up with students than actually teaching us. So I don't, I don't know. Oh. I didn't hear anything like that, but I mean, maybe that instructor left or whatever. He, I yeah, mean, some fucking, uh, yeah, I don't know. You, you know how this shit works. I was just like, I didn't study. And so I was helping another friend study instead of actually like, and he was studying another part of the course with the friend that was going through. And so he was focused more on that instead of like his actual work. And so he flunked out and, and got pushed back. But God's timing is always right because we met each other and we were... Yeah together for a couple of months. Um, we met in January, end of January, and then April, he left Bragg and was finished with the course and came out here. So we've been long distance for a year and a half, pretty much. Um, we were long distance dating until we got married and then we were married long distance until I got my med board and now I'm here. Yeah, congratulations. Thanks, thanks. Not how I wanted it to go, but you know, it is what it yeah. is. I, I, I wish I could med board. I just don't have anything wrong with me. I can't get hurt. I don't get injured. I'm just like, man. Dude. I mean, I know everybody says that. Like, oh, congratulations. But no, I, I I'm just fucking it's a pride thing, man. If you're, I mean, <laughs> at least me, it hurt my pride. I I had never cried in my army career over over someone being mean to me or millions of things people have said or assumed or whatever. Yeah. I cried in that office with that. She was like an old asian man and he was like i'm so sorry and i'm just like full out waterworks like sobbing like you could have told me that my dad died or something like it, and i was i he stayed in there with me 45 minutes just to like calm me down because oh, he was wow. like he's like if we need to admit you we'll admit you and i was like no no i'm not crazy i'm just upset like, <laughs> yeah like my career's coming to an end I don't yeah know. and i wasn't ready to let go at that point in time but now looking back it was time for me to leave and I, I never would have walked away if I wouldn't have gotten med boarded. I would have stayed in and probably do a full 20 if my body would have allowed me to, but yeah, I'm, I'm looking at a double knee surgery by oh, in like nice. the next six years. So oh, wow. my body cannot handle much more, unfortunately. Oh, the... I had a leg joke, but I'm <laughs> <laughs> I tried to go to airborne school. I did. No, I know you did. Like especially when you went to to third group, I, I figured like, oh, she's probably gonna be airborne. But yeah, I did. I tried. So it, uh, the same PA who gave me my med board rules, like initiated my med board. Um, <laughs> she failed me for air, my airborne physical twice. Twice. She was like, "You're not good because your knees aren't good enough." Your knees, damn. But so I wasn't even on profile. She was just like taking MRIs and X-rays. Um, cause I have a, I had a pretty, I had surgery before. So yeah. when I left me, I have like a eight inch scar, which is pretty big. Um, and she, obviously I'm in PT clothes for the physical and she was like, not until I get an x-ray and MRI. Yeah. And so this second time, because they switched over to Genesis. So all my previous records were lost in like during that transition period. And so the second time around, that's when she was like, med babe. I think honestly, like now that you bring that up, it's a good point. I don't think if you were trying to join today, you could. Because mm -mm. your knee surgery was in high school, right? Yep. Yeah. I've been barely able to join back then. And yeah, that's only because I had written consent from the doctor essentially stating that like 
Yeah, I, I, I think I think maybe even if you could, I think maybe the process would have dragged on so long that you may not have been interested in doing it because it would just take so long. You know what I mean? Like, no, that's a good point because I know the scar, like I've seen people with, with this very similar situations. It's just like, it's constantly asking for more and more, but it's also at your expense. And mm-hmm. you, know, you, you think about, like I said, these kids that come, they don't have fucking health insurance. They don't, mm-hmm. they don't have doctors. That, oh, yeah. You know, they go when like, it's an, a, a, an emergency. They don't go to the doctor because they're, you know, they have a cough. Oh yeah, for sure. And it, I mean, yeah. it, it is what it is, but it is. It was meant to be out, so it did. Yep. All right, that's Kay Easton, y'all. It's time to get out of here. Thanks for hanging out, doing great things. Of course, anytime. Right. Um. So yeah. No, I'll, I'll tell you this when we get out. So that was there will be bourbon. Remember, what I had was Hotel Tango. Yeah, it was. Ho- Hang on. Been a few of these is hotel tango yeah hotel tango distillery all right so you get on hotel tango distillery.com you can find this like i said this is the um the reserve bourbon they have a regular bourbon and they have a red white and bourbon so there, there, there's a few different bourbons and of course like every distillery they have all the other spirits you can think of because you got to make money somehow while the good stuff ages so check that out uh again k Easton, thanks for hanging out with us and of course Talking all kinds of cool shit with us. And then, uh, yeah, we'll go from there. There will be bourbon. Later.